Hello, you're listening to the Eric McKenna Project. By the book, <laughs> you know, because you all hear all right. I can hear perfectly. Yeah, can you hear fine. me? Yeah, I'm good. Cool. I'm good. Love it. All right. So we don't do any openings here. We just go. Cool. So, Mike, I appreciate you doing this. Dude, thanks for having me. Rocco, it's unusual to see you in that chair. I, I, this is the second time in this you chair. You sat over here. Yeah, yeah. Have I, you I'm sat over here yet? I have not. That's uh, I almost time. put you over here today, but I had this thing about like I like to be able to see both of my yeah. guests, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I'm, and I don't trust my Fred's over here, so I'm kind of getting <laughs> side eye. That side eye. That's why I've been putting Freddie over I, where you are now. I get it, man. I get it completely, man. <laughs> completely understand. I like the seat now. Right on. So uh, a lot I want to talk about today, and I want to do some some just some free riffing. Yeah. You know, we're all kind of like um, I think I'm sitting I'm sitting here today with two philosophically minded individuals and i find that kind of person doesn't come into my sphere very often today mm-hmm. in terms of people that actually put i don't know a lot of thought into what they actually believe and yeah. they're in tune with it i think you have a lot of people that believe that that's how they live and they're righteous and they joined a team and they're going to die on that hill and all that yeah. shit but but being pragmatic is a thing and i see both of that both of you so now that i've complimented them beyond words <laughs> uh mike give us some background on you I mean, the, 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 two, the two seconds spiel oh you know. i'm not from pittsburgh i know Never <laughs> so, so, no I, I get the honor is to be here to uh, uh please pittsburghian is that is that you are pittsburghian well, can, we can say that, yeah. yeah. Pittsburghers, yeah. we're Pittsburghers. Pittsburghers. Yeah. Pull this closer to you, buddy. I need your oh, name about three. No, 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 no you do right. You're perfect. Okay, good. Perfect. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm not from Pittsburgh. I'm from Chicago. Right. Uh, you know, I'm just a. You know, Mundelein. Yeah, I know where Mundelein is. Yeah, yeah I spent a lot of time there. Did you? The Washburn Guitars was up there. And oh, okay. They tore the just recently tore the building down. Heartbreaking, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of golf courses up there now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's the, what is that? That's nice. Like, that's, that's, Lake that's north, right? That's north. That's north. Yeah. north. Yeah. Yeah. It's not by. I got lost by Kaminsky Park. Got a little dicey down there. Trying to, find, trying to find gas one night. <laughs> that's not by where I'm from. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, sorry. So, to so yeah, no, I'm, I'm just a you know I'm a remarkably ordinary kind of average dude. And, remarkably uh, ordinary. Yeah. Extraordinarily ordinary, probably. Extraordinarily yeah. ordinary. Oh, you're selling yourself short a little bit, man. But yeah, go on. But yeah, and I you know and I um, yeah so. I'm from Berwyn, Illinois. Okay, you know, which is, but I was born in Nashville, Tennessee, so that was cool. But uh, yeah, man, I'm just a, I'm just a guy who uh, has had the privilege and the honor and the opportunity to do a number of different cool things, mm-hmm. and I've met a number of just remarkable people. Right, and uh, and I've had a, a a pretty cool journey. Right, and not always easy, you know, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've come out on this other end, and now I work as a, an executive coach and an organizational consultant. And right. mostly what my commitment is, is helping guys, dudes, men, leaders, uh, really understand the power of who they are. And not only that, the power of what's possible from who they are. Got it. Right? And so that's how I spend my days, you know? What's your uh, history in regards to, um, to business? I mean, give some background well, uh, yeah, on your career yeah. history. Uh, I started out as a tool and die maker. And uh, then I got into engineering, 
I was a, a CNC programmer like mm-hmm. a million years ago. Uh, ran manufacturing facilities, got into sales, was a sales leader for a while, mm-hmm. ran a couple of organizations, left when manufacturing left America, mm-hmm. got into construction. Did it ever come back? I never uh, knew it returned. Did it return? Yeah. Really. I, I don't know if it has. There's an opportunity for it to return out, but it hasn't. Got into construction and got really lucky in construction and did some really cool things and uh, did that and then uh, had a personal uh, kind of road to Damascus moment and sold my business and got into coaching. And hmm. uh, so that's kind of the real short synopsis yeah. of it all. But, yeah. but that's kind of what I've done. I've, you know, I've run a couple of businesses. I've uh, never ran any really big ones. I was mostly, um, mostly in the business development side. You know? What was the compelling reason for you to make the turn to coaching? What, what led you there? Um, I, I, first of all, I couldn't do corporate anymore. I, mm-hmm. I'm the least corporate guy in the world, right? And I'd done no, it. You for, might be sitting across from the most least corporate person. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know. I'll I, challenge you on yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I'm that ballpark too a little bit. I, I think both of us together are, uh, are you know, a similar journey as right that. On, and, right uh, on. But yeah, so I, I just, and I was trying to, you know, keep doing it. And I, and I just like, I can't do this anymore. And then I met someone who was a coach. Okay. And I was really intrigued by the lifestyle. Okay. And uh, I asked if I could do coaching while I rode my motorcycle across the country, right? And they said, yeah. And I'm like, done, I'm in. And um, what was really interesting, about eight months into the training, I started getting CEOs as clients. Right, right on. And so all of a sudden I went from not being in corporate mm-hmm. corporate America to mm-hmm. actually you know, supporting and getting to know these guys at a different level. And what it, it, what it gave me was this really cool perspective of and compassion for these guys on top who I would, you know, challenge all the time and almost excoriate and fight with, you know, when I was in corporate America because I was viewing right. it through my own perspective. Right, right, right. And it really gave me this really cool kind of uh, understanding and, and viewpoint of the way business works and also the way people operate. And what I what I really got, you know, my, my training was engineering. Mm-hmm. So I was all about numbers and spreadsheets. And what I really started seeing was what business is really about is relationships and people. But I understand the business part of it, you mm-hmm. know. And so what I learned is that through the you can look at the relationships and how they're working and then apply the 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 spreadsheets and the numbers to it to see if you're getting the results you okay. want. But then there's a there's like behaviors that need to be instilled to get the results you want. It's just not, you know, downsizing or moving your company to India or any of that, you know. There's a lot of things that can happen. So I've been blessed for the last, I don't know, six years. I've been doing a lot of cultural transformation. I hate the word transformation, by the way, but but cultural work, cultural alignment work, actually. Okay. Inside organizations. So people are actually doing the things they say they want to do. Right, 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 you right, know? right. So right. that's been pretty cool. The the idea of doing a coach, because I'm a naturally very skeptic, skeptical person. Uh-huh. Um, that's awesome. Background. You should be. It can Stay be. That way. It, Stay can, that way. it can be. Sometimes it can be very annoying, that's not good. only to myself, but to everyone else around me. Um, I think annoying a, is an incredibly underrated skill set. I think it. You think? Oh, yeah, man. Because here's what happens with annoying. And annoying instantly challenges the status quo. If you're annoyed, you're like, what's going on over there? Okay. It generates curiosity. So, okay, so you you delineate between annoying and inquisitive, right? 
they, right. you know, I, you're okay with them being the same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm real okay with them being the same thing. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, my skepticism comes sure. from, um, you know, I had a father who was a counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, involved in the scouts and did some counseling and yeah. And that was a weird dynamic as a young person growing up, right? Yeah. Because you see your father yeah. in one light, and then you see him as a counselor too. So, but as I went into life, I you know, whether it was Anthony Robbins in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then it was you know Les Brown, and then it was Harvey McKay, all that good stuff. I was ingesting all I could yeah. get a hold of. But there always seemed to be, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to how to to articulate it, maybe, but there never seemed to be a lot of authenticity with what I would see. So my question to you would be: How do you feel the same, and then how do you work to differentiate yourself? I, I don't do anything to differentiate myself, but be me. Okay. Okay. Like I don't have it as a target list item. Okay. Okay. I think what you bring up is real. It, it it's a real thing. One of the challenges of coaching or counseling or, or being a support to anybody, mm-hmm. right, is the absence of understanding on how to really do it. Okay. okay. So, I first of all, most of the people I coach are just world-class badasses, right? Mm-hmm. So, they're, they're tough dudes that um, take no shit from anyone, okay? Right. And, and they're, they are skeptical. By nature, they're skeptical, okay? And they're... They also spend a lot of time alone because of the skepticism. So there's there's a lot of like, man, they work hard. Okay. So one of the things that happens is being a coach or being a counselor or being anyone who's supporting another person is it's an odd business, you know, because you've got you've to be present to, you know, am I hitting my numbers? Am I doing this? Mm-hmm. you got to run the business part of it, right? Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the work you're doing, I don't provide anything for mm-hmm. my clients other than a space for them to work through the things they need to work mm-hmm. through and create the space for them to discover who they are. Right. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not giving them answers. Yeah. And I think what happens, and, and Harvey McKay is a great example. Man, I love that guy. I read mm-hmm. every one of his books. I mean, the guy was a sales master mm-hmm. genius. Harvey McKay was an exceptionally uh, talented dude mm-hmm. who knew how to generate and drive results and he had a process for it. I think there's one thing for handing someone a process and a completely different thing with giving someone the answers, right? Yeah, So I would agree. So I think that's it. And the, the trick back, not enough coaches do their own work continuously. Like yeah. if you're in this mm-hmm. business being a coach, you better do the work every single day. Like mm-hmm. every day. You, like I've got, a, I've got a, um, a ritual I go through every morning, regardless of what it is. And I, I can't even get started till I get that done. Right, because otherwise I'm a fraud. Yeah, it's about walking the walking the walk. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, and that's that's what I mean by authenticity. I, I and the skepticism comes from seeing, uh, and this is coming from a capitalist. Yeah. yeah, but seeing the hucksterism involved with that industry. There is, and and here's the problem: the guys that get rewarded are the ones who are the best salespeople, not the best coaches. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest yeah. challenge. So, that's exactly right. And then the other thing that's going on, which is the complete off-the-rails bullshit of it all, mm-hmm. is what they're all trying to do is then capitalize on this online training nonsense. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm going to create a training program so you can become authentic. That's such bullshit. Yeah. The yeah. only way you can become authentic is go 
get some on you. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, you got to go yes. and trial by error and understand who you are because there's 7.3 billion people in the world. Mm -hmm. So there's 7.3 billion different expressions of authenticity. I can't tell you how to be authentic. All I can do is create the space and maybe ask a few questions and laugh a little bit as we go through the process for you to discover for yourself. Right. That's all I can do. Yeah. The, the, it seems like uh, they've turned the idea of helping people that believe they're confused mm-hmm. into a process that then they want to scale yeah. through the web mm-hmm. simply for the reason, simply for the reason of the, of the almighty dollar. That's, well, that's it. Exactly right. I think With a lot of them. I think there's one other step other than the, the, the almighty dollar. The dollars are definitely part of it. But there's this weird ethos that's out there. Okay. And there's this ethos that says, I shouldn't have to work. Like, if mm-hmm. I only work 10 hours a week and I'm making $4,000 a week, that's success. Well, you're absolutely right. That, that lie has been sold to the American public package it started actually on late night television and infomercials i believe yeah. in the 70s and the 80s yeah. with the real estate get Carl rich christian sheets, Carlson sheets yes. oh wow yeah yeah but i think that um and that that was i th- i think but you see it today where the kids are being bombarded because on their instagram mm-hmm. feeds everything is i'm going to show you how to do this and i'm going to show yeah. you that or look at my cars or yeah. look at the, yeah. all the books i've read and right. i'm a super genius and mm-hmm. you know i can take there was an ad i think the, the gentleman passed away but there was a young kid that was doing it in the 90s he was talking about placing little classified <laughs> yeah, ads. i remember those <laughs> What was it? That uh, was hilarious, David man. something. I, I, I remember had, exactly I think he ended up going to jail yeah, or yes. something. I don't yeah. know. But it's, it's, it, nothing, is, nothing is new. It's just the right. the vehicle they're using to market it's new now. got to do the fucking work. But that's it, man. It's it. it it's, you know, it, 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 you got you to gotta do the work. Yeah. Everything's a bitch. The f- so one of the big breakthroughs, one of the ways I got here, too, mm-hmm. is I had a two and a half, almost three-year journey of being a pretty devout Buddhist. Right. Oh, this, this is going to be fascinating. So, <laughs> so fantastic. Out of out of being a Buddhist, you know, I thought Buddhism you said, was you're a former. You are former. You are a former Buddhist. Correct? Well, I still I still have the you Buddhist beliefs. I don't I don't practice it anymore. Okay, you know, I, I don't go to the temple. You know, I don't meditate daily. I don't do any of that anymore. Okay, you know, but I did. You know, and it was great, and I got like a ton from it. And one of the things I got is that this thing we call life is intended to be a bitch. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. resistance that life provides for us is the gift of it Mm -hmm. and provides the grit for us to really kind of, you know, develop and and see who we really are. Is that the essence of the yin and the yang? Yeah. And so, so it's just from that. and And so all the bitching and whining, complaining that everyone does, it's just nonsense. They're missing out on the gold. You know, it's like getting a pizza and taking off the goodies yeah. and just eating the crust and going, oh, that's what I wanted. But don't you think, me being the skeptic, sure. that humans yeah. are just lazy? No. I think You don't believe I that. don't think humans are lazy. I think humans are scared shitless. Okay. And the scared shitless is what allows them to sit in their basements for 12 months and justify not working and... And out of being fearful, they don't understand what courage is. All courage is is taking action in the face of fear. It's mm-hmm. not eliminating fear. Mm-hmm. So all this BS that we're dealing with, right, is trying to remove fear 
when in fact fear is Zig Ziglar you know fear, right. false evidence appearing real right? right you know we don't know what fear is but just walk through it, it I, I'm sure you yeah. I mean I'm sure like Rocco Rocco's a, like a world-class badass right and I'm sure he goes into situations where he doesn't have a clue plenty of them yeah mm-hmm. and, and there's that element of fear but what he's mastered is courage which is taking action and face the fear turning off the noise and living into his commitment yeah mm-hmm. That's what makes this guy such a badass. Uh, I will definitely agree with you on that. You know, and yes. so, so that's that's what's missing. You know that that's mm-hmm. so we're we're honoring our fear mm-hmm. and not honoring our commitment. But I do think, uh, to your point, I do think there's a combination. I do think people are lazy, and I do think fear creates more laziness. Well, yeah. So, so I think we've talked about. You know, well, I do believe. A lot of well, human beings. Fear normalizes laziness. Correct. Yes. Maybe, that's, yes. a better way of putting it. Maybe. that's a better way of putting it. And then there's the narrative yeah. that celebrates the laziness. Mm-hmm. And then we create structures. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've created, people talk about structural racism. There's structural laziness. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. In, Absolutely. in the unemployment compensation that yeah. went on and in the you know paying people for children and, yeah. and, and all the different handouts and social supports. Yeah. yeah, and the construct is that we reward. Uh, uh, America's a funny place because yeah. there's been decades and decades of, of rewarding mm-hmm. people for poor performance. In, yeah. in, in a corporate yes. environment, if you did your work the way that the government rewards you for living, but if yeah. you did your work that way, you wouldn't survive in any company. Yeah. You would not be rewarded for poor performance <laughs> in the business place. Right. But, but we do the, it in life. What, but here's what's happening, I think, in the business space. People are getting, I don't want to say rewarded, but they're sustaining with mediocrity. Yeah. Because because there's now these, you can't say certain things, you can't do certain right. things, you can't, because for the fear of all this other noise out there that's going to cancel the corporation or cancel mm-hmm. this. So you're, they're now allowing mediocrity to infiltrate an entire corporate structure yeah. that now is causing businesses to just remain this. That's why you're not seeing as much innovation. So... Exactly. Is the bigger question then, as a species, are we becoming more accepting of mediocrity? Are we becoming more accepting of laziness? And if we are becoming Mm -hmm. more accepting of it as a whole, as a species, then... Mm You can almost make the argument that maybe we all are internally lazy, and it, it takes a lot of effort and drive to yeah. do anything. I, I I don't know. I think what what I see is again laziness is there's a I, well. What's your definition of laziness? Lack of ambition, right? Okay. So I think what's happened is we become a a, a culture that's very comfortable. Yes, and I would we agree. really, really like comfort is our drug, man. You know, yeah. and so but hasn't it always been? You don't think? All right, so we. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, I'm no. an asshole. No, no, you're this not. This is man. what I do. I think, <laughs> I think. Here's what's happened. I think we viewed. So you go back like to the depression, okay? And you know, people are fighting for survival, and mm-hmm. so if you would achieve a level of comfort, that was some some symbol of success. But you right? had to work for comfort. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you think of the growth of the suburbs, right, and the Levittstown, New York, and the Downers Grove, Illinois, and places like that. That very comfortable. I live in one of the most comfortable suburbs in the hit in America. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's labeled as it, mm-hmm. right. So that was something to strive for and something to go for, right. So you would work to become comfortable, you would work to become safe, you would work to become, you know, for convenience, because right. life was a bitch, right? The right. whole the whole Buddhist thing. Okay. But now we've got it that, that comfort is a standard. Mm-hmm. 
Good point. Okay. Yeah. Very good Absolutely. point. Absolutely. And and you're entitled to be comfortable. Well, that was the second part of it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think the the it's it's a right for you to Which is have fucking bullshit. Well, it's it, it's it's interpreted. It's a right bullshit. to be. You have the right to err, and you have the right to have a certain level of uh, comfort be given to you because you just exist. Right. And that is something that is dangerous to teach to children. Fuck yeah, it is. Here's, here's I think, what happens, right? We all have uh, these ideals and these visions of what the future could look like if we would strive mm-hmm. and fulfill this ideal, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to use a very controversial idea, okay? Okay. And it, this will get me canceled from probably half your listeners, but <laughs> let, let's, let's look at the women's movement, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you go back into the late 60s and early 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Women were paid about 60 cents on the dollar for every minute for what mm-hmm. men were doing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where the whole women's liberation thing came from, was to create economic equality. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So, Which we can agree is the right thing. Yeah. It's, a, a, it's inarguable, you know? And I would even go, you know, social equality or whatever version of equality. There should be no delineation between women and men, I mm-hmm. mean, as far as the rights go, you know, delivering mm-hmm. rights, okay? Fast forward, now we're into 2020. Mm-hmm. And let's look at the numbers. When you look at the numbers of women executives, okay, and first of all, women management positions in corporate America today, women have 58% of the management positions. 58%, Mm -hmm. that's more than half, okay? Mm -hmm. And they're compensated 98 cents to the dollar of every man, okay? So that's almost equality. And I'm going to assert the reason it's not is because there's still some dudes out there that are grandfathered in that are like Mm -hmm. 75 years old that are pulling out big bank Maybe not making the yeah. same level of contribution, but they created a foundation, so they're getting paid, right? right? Yeah. So that can so we've achieved economic and um, whatever you would career equality parity maybe parity yeah. parity yeah mm-hmm. equality whatever we've we've achieved the objective okay so when you achieve the objective and you've been successful you're on a roll right now what what's the next level look like mm-hmm. it's not about equality anymore it's about power. Right. Okay. So then you fast forward the same thing. You, you achieve this this level of comfort. We've created a standard of living in this country that's awesome. We've achieved this level of comfort. Instead of having it to be something to strive for, it's now entitled. Mm-hmm. So when we get to these goals, we have not done a good recreating of the future. What can the future look like? We become anybody who doesn't have this is like discriminated against, which mm-hmm. is not true. Right. The, There's a phrase that Rocco and I bounce around on this show quite often, um, and it's critical thinking. Yeah, and it takes it takes it takes a new skill level in the year 2021 to look past headlines. Now, in the 70s, I'm thinking my parents could hear a headline and pretty much you know dismiss it or ingest it or Mm -hmm. move past it, because that's what people did then. Yeah, but now. We govern our lives by just the headlines we see, yeah. and it sends us on these big directional changes. My point is, when you talk there a moment about statistics, mm-hmm. you could have all the statistics to prove a point in this society. Mm-hmm. That statistics could come from, let's say, um, I don't know, non-political think tanks. Right. They could mm-hmm. come from scientific databases. You know, you, the, the consensus could agree these are not driven by anything other than pure facts. Right. You sure. could lay that in front of people. Uh-huh. And yet, 
you can't ever get them to get to the point to even look at them right. because the narrative that might be in front of that words mm-hmm. are so powerful yeah. and they're so intellectually lazy by mm-hmm. choice right not genetically no right that they'll never get to those facts and that is what's ruling in my opinion yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of the dysfunction now and i don't have a recommendation as to how to fix that i just don't Pe- i don't get it well to your point one people don't want to think critically it's it's hard work to th- i mean i think critically every day right that's my prof- i'm a lawyer that's what yeah. we do like i have to critically think 12 hours a fucking day and my brain hurts every day but <laughs> i do it that's part of what yeah. my profession is but okay. the, the second piece is people once they pick the team they don't want to be wrong so lo- so yeah. critically th- in looking at something that could disband their mental construct or you know that framework they've created they don't want to do it because then it calls into question other things and that's where i think that's right that's and that comes back to your point about fear right if you look at something if i have this if i take a position and now there's data that you know discredits my position right and i'm like oh shit what other positions do i have that could be discredited so i just want to turn a blind eye i don't want to look because it's going to call into question not just that one thing but many things and that comes back to that fear we start looking at things from a different perspective people become fearful and they just put their head in the sand like nope my position is my position i have facts to support it even if those facts have been disproven they that's what they do because it's the fear of being wrong it's the fear of not belonging to that team anymore it's the fear of just questioning themselves i think there's a lot of levels to this and it's it's completely to your to your point like we have to to write the ship in this country we need more critical thinkers we need we need to just look at everything yeah critically think look at it and say what is actually wrong because we talk about a lot of shit in this country being wrong but go live somewhere else Mm. like go somewhere else you'll see how fucking good we have like i've been across the world i've been to some shitty places there's nowhere else i want to live even with all the things that are bad in this country the political situation everything like there's no other place i want to be agreed and we need to get people more to believe like that i think yeah rocco what you're pointing to is so important man is uh there's a there's a mentor I have. Right? Mm-hmm. His name is Werner Erhardt, and mm-hmm. uh, he's got this phrase called "transformation begins with a powerful relationship to what's so," like dealing with objective reality. Okay. Right? Okay. And so there's a lot of people that aren't dealing with objective reality. You know, mm-hmm. one of the like that chart I put up yeah, that, that yeah. you've seen a million times, right? So have you seen that movie Social Dilemma? I have not seen it. Okay. They've got this cool chart. It's really, it's Moore's Law. It talks about the amount of information that comes on, right? Well, anyway, I, this is not, this is a shameful plug for no, my No, no, we're going to get to your, no, no. Book. let's do it now. But there's a, now. there's a chart on page 301, right? Right. And, and what it does, what it looks like, it's, it's the, the growth of information and data and noise in the system, okay? And it, and it goes out of hand. And then there's also another line that crosses over that talks about, the human ability to consume information and to manage data, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Like our, our, our intellectual capacity, and this is all based in neuroscience. I don't know when we've crossed over. I can make an assertion it was somewhere like 2004, 2005, something like that with the growth of social media, but we have crossed over. When you cross over, when there's more data than you can actually take in, you're gonna be in an instant state of overwhelm. 
And mm-hmm. what overwhelm leads to is chaos and confusion and really fear. No question. So, so the fear is like that's the the mm-hmm. what so condition we're living in is a culture of chaos, confusion, mm-hmm. fear, and overload. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and then that fear gets them like, you know, everyone's got a different way of of survival, right? Now, fear for someone who's let's just say more alpha male, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. is like a, exactly <laughs> is like a throwdown, like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like he was talking about with his daughter. If someone would, you know, be a challenge to my daughter, yeah, haven't helped that guy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that that's one way of dealing with it. Someone who's not an alpha male, okay? Someone who doesn't see, doesn't have that fear trigger them and ignite that kind mm-hmm. of warrior in them, mm-hmm. okay? Which are other people, you know, um, or aren't aligned with an alpha male are going to then get, you know, much more introverted or, or pulled right. back mm-hmm. and, and seek protection and seek safety, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what's going on. And, and and the best way to not get killed is to remain in the status quo. You'll die from atrophy, but mm-hmm. you're not going to get eaten immediately by the lion, right? You're going to climb mm-hmm. the tree. You're going to jump in the hole. You're going to do that. This is all primal, man. Yeah. And so what we got to yeah. do, what's needed What's really needed is this awareness of where we're at. Mm-hmm. We've got to start having these conversations about where we're really at is culturally, and then we got to start doing the work. Mm-hmm. And the work there is to do, especially for dudes, especially for dudes, is to become self-aware, mm-hmm. to understand, to be in relationship with yourself more so than anyone else, and get get who you are. Yeah. You know, because when you get who you are, then all of a sudden, then you can actually be in relationship with someone well, else. I, I've and well on record of saying, and I believe this to my core, that people um, in all walks of life, from every demographic, a good amount of people, day in, day out, go through this life with no semblance of personal philosophy, yep. and they don't really have an understanding of what they even believe internally. They don't believe, they don't actually know what they believe. And when you right. don't know, if you're not yeah. grounded, it can be, it can change over time. Mm-hmm. Your philosophy can can adapt with society. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have something that yeah. grounds you, I don't yeah. know how you function. And I think there's a lot of people that don't people know fucking clue what they believe and believe. You function in survival, right? Yeah, and it's, and it's easy. It that's the, that's the comfort, though. Yeah. Think about it. It is. Like, I, 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 I have a couple friends, and I, I'm not going to name them, but I know that they're, they don't have philosophies on anything or take a position on anything, and they're just good being comfortable. Like Their, their life is just, I'm good. Like, I don't need to take a position. I, like, if you ask them, like, what do you truly believe in? Like, what do you stand for as a man or a woman? They wouldn't have an answer. Like, I'm good. Like, my life. And, and so it's 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 people yeah. seek that comfort. Because doing that, like, figuring out what you stand for, yeah. figuring out who you are, that's the hard, ugly work that people have to do. Well, yeah. they, they take, my understanding, for people that refuse to, or don't want to put the effort in to mm-hmm. become grounded and principled, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they will use the other word, <clears throat> which is also a part of my life, which is indifference, and they will use, they will bas- <clears throat> bastardize that word and into making it convenient for them to yeah. assume that word means lazy, right? Yeah. And indifference does not mean lazy. Yeah, right. Indifference actually takes work to mm-hmm. be indifferent. Yep. Cognitively indifferent, as we've talked about this yeah. many times. Is a choice. No, it, but, you know, but it comes from an area of sophistication and intelligence. It yeah. doesn't come from apathy, right, or or, or, yeah. or laziness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
No, ambivalence <clears throat> is a great word, man. I, you know, I, I heard you use it on your show because I to get ready to come here, I wanted to get ha- a handle on you know how cool the studio is. Number one, uh, <laughs> it's but, a zoo but in really, here. What you, what you know what goes on here and what's what's that about? And, and I don't even know what goes on here. <laughs> I, well, what goes on? I, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what goes on here, man. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what goes on here. <clears throat> so what happens is you have the, based in neuroscience, you've got a a situation where people come in and have no fucking clue what's going to go on, right? And they step through. You create this great space where people can step through. There's no concern uh-huh. about, am I going to look like a dope or an mm-hmm. idiot or anything like that? So they step through the gate of courage, and you get into engagement instantly. I right? think so. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And then from engagement, what actually happens then is you can progress to a level of innovation where the new ideas come and the critical thinking gets yeah. developed. Yep. And what's really possible, and I think it's happened a few times, it happened on one of the shows you were, yeah. you get to that level of synchronicity that Michael yeah. talked about, yeah, right? Yeah. Where there becomes this flow state. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's what goes on here. That's why this thing gets. And, and, and you're like, why do people listen? Because that's. I don't know. <laughs> because of that, though, dude. Yeah. You know? Truth. But, but it isn't rocket science. No, to, 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 dude, to it's deviate a little bit. It's just this is the. the <laughs> I've, I've told Rocco even before the, mm-hmm. we really got going with this yeah. whole thing. I'm doing this to slow down yeah. my life, yeah. have real conversations mm-hmm. because they were technologically not possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And I found myself becoming part of the machine yep. in the way I communicate. And that doesn't. I can't do that. Yeah. So the only way I could slow myself down was having wonderful conversations, and this just seemed like a format to really yeah. do yeah. that. And that's yeah. I think that's we're not we're doing here something. Even if you don't dive in deep, you just look at it. Yeah. That's not what most people are doing every day. Yeah, they're not exactly. sitting down and talking with people. No, no, dude. Not at all. On the most base level, what we're doing is there's three dudes like sharing space with one another and actually communicating right. and being yeah. in a relationship. Right. That's the most base level. That doesn't happen. Yeah, right, you, right. you get into some of the heavier shit and the deeper stuff, and if someone's into that, they can be into it. But, but really, what it is is just the, the the foundation of what relationships about. Yeah, which is listening to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and respecting and honoring. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I, I that the overload is a big thing with me, and I couldn't articulate that. But I felt like 2015, 16, in my realtor practice every mm-hmm. day, and trying to, and I didn't have this then, but I felt every day was like rushing from point A to point B, getting back to people the moment they contacted me, feeling an ur- a constant state of urgency. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Then I thought maybe something's wrong, or maybe I'm just no, an man. anxious person, but everyone I spoke to, a lot of people were going through the same thing, that level of, that state of urgency all day. It's not a good way to live. No, look at the anxiety that's going on in the world today. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, you know, I mean, it's everywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there, there's always these, these phony ways, phony ways of, a, you know, like dealing with it. What Rocco said is the only way I've found to actually deal with it, which is to create that sense of purpose yeah. or vision or why am I here, mm-hmm. you know, and then be true to that and then turn out the noise. You yeah. see, you don't think that a lot of the public is simply lazy in thought. I mean, I think they are because I, 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 I see the most... In intellectually insulting shit on the television. Oh, all as I walk past the TV in my yeah. home all the yeah. time, and I, but I know a good part of our population is captivated, and news included. Yeah, news probably mm-hmm. at the forefront where they're being told what to think, and they go there willingly. They just this must be reality. Well, mm-hmm. and they just they start maneuvering their life based upon what 
with talking head X, Y, or Z just told them, which is insane to me. Yeah, I don't that's, get it. it it's the, that is where, in my opinion, the laziness comes in because uh, you know, it, and I'll use the pandemic as an example, not to get into that discussion. But oh, we absolutely can get into that discussion. But, 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 but that, what here. I've learned through all of that, you know, there, there were people in my life that I intellectually I respected, but then as you go through this health crisis, we'll call it, people just had their intellectual curiosity went away and they just said we yeah. have to believe this but why but because but why well because they said so well, who said so well this person well how do they know well and it's just like no one wanted to do that next level looking mm -hmm. i'm fine what you believe in whether you believe in mask no masks vax no vax i don't care right formulate that opinion yourself right don't do it yeah and they'll say well but, but we're listening to the health experts but we say that, but yet, if health experts disagree with the health experts you believe, those are not health experts. So it's the, an echo chamber. Well, that's the thing, and it's they and, seek and people, the echo chamber, right? And people aren't aren't willing to question, and that's the problem. I think it comes down to laziness because questioning is hard. See, there's comfort in the echo chamber. I believe. I believe there's no question that most Americans know inside. They do. Where they lean. Yes. It may not be hard either way, but they mm -hmm. know, and they're going to seek out the news source that makes mm -hmm. them feel the mm -hmm. mo least scared and the most comfortable. Yes. The inside, they're seeking the titillation, and, the, and they want to see the train wreck, mm -hmm. but they want to feel comfortable that they're being told by their people. Yeah. They won't admit that to you, but I'm telling yeah. you, if you took a diehard Republican conservative yeah. person and asked them... Mm -hmm for a couple hours to sit and watch you know maybe a liberal source of news yeah. cnn whatever most won't do it yeah and vice versa absolutely they won't do it out of principle mm -hmm. it's not out of principle if you had principles you'd be seeking all sources and making yeah. up your own mind yeah. but that's just takes work see i hate to be a sarcastic asshole but that is the gist of what i see you mm -hmm. are not most people not you or you or you most mm -hmm. people that i encounter will not take the extra effort mm -hmm. to make discerning their their views discerning based upon all available information which is something mm. we all kind of did on a regular basis as we move through the day yeah. prior mm. to the internet prior yeah. to 96 you yeah. had to seek sources mm -hmm. generally because if you didn't you're not going to live very long right. you take right. yep. the person on the streets work or something and you maneuver your life that way you may die yep We've lost that right. way to mm -hmm. run our lives. We are being spoon-fed bullshit, and too many people can't or won't go beyond that to make their life better. I, I, I am bewildered. That's where we are in. I, I, well, I don't get it. I, I, I think what what's happened is there's been this loss of spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that makes America unique and makes it exceptional is that America is really the only country in the world that wasn't run by either a monarch or a dictator or some some governing entity yeah. that told us what to do and gave us rights. Imperialism, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. What America was, America was created as a sovereign nation where we were self-governing and our grants, our rights were granted to us by our creator. Mm -hmm. That's a huge difference than even 
Western oh. Europe. Oh yeah, we're the, we're the great experiment, right? Exactly, and it's a it, and it's a social experiment right. that's ongoing, and it, sometimes it's a mess. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it's a mess. Mostly mm-hmm. it's a mess, but you're still free to make a mess, and right. so that's I think the thing that 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 we've lost sight of, and the other thing we've lost sight of is one of the great gifts of of America and of freedom is the ability to fail, mm. right? Because it's through failure. That you really, um, that you really learn and you are honored, you know. Right. And even, even I'm even full of shit when you ask me what I did. Well, I, I just told you all the cool stuff, right? I didn't share with you the 45 failures that were in there, mm-hmm. and the wiping out and the disaster of it is, and the picking yourself up and dusting it out, and the wiping out on your Harley on a stone road, mm-hmm. right? Picking pebbles out of your ass, on your ass, <laughs> on your elbow, on everything, man. I got a scar on my shoulder. That's gross, right? How that happened? Oh yeah, I dumped my bike because I was a dumbass, right? But but that's that we don't we don't celebrate the failures. Not I'm not sure you should celebrate the failures. Mm-hmm. I think the failures are learning opportunities. Yeah. But, I mean, you celebrate can't the, celebrate yeah, the effort, not the result. Celebrate right? the like, learning. Like, the learning. Yeah, yeah, the learning. Absolutely. Yeah, the, okay, yeah. Yep. Celebrate the learning Celebrate and celebrate the gift that it was. Yeah, yeah. the opportunity. Yeah, <clears> 100%. But, but that's what we're... We're afraid of failing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole different thing. Yeah, we are. We're afraid of failing. We're, we're, we're more concerned with getting likes on Facebook than with putting our balls on the line and mm-hmm. taking a risk. Mm-hmm. And even even to your point about why people don't critically think because that their thought can be a failure now yeah. well, the way they believe can be a failure now oh, yeah. right so they're afraid of being <laughs> wrong right so if they do a little bit of digging realize that oh shit I was wrong this whole time again use use that we'll use the mask example so someone would say someone was so hardcore mask like telling everybody and f you you should be wearing a mask and if they do a little bit of critical research and they find studies that say masks really aren't effective that means everything they believe for those prior 12 months was a failure yeah they don't want they don't want that they don't like failure they're afraid of it so they just don't dig they found the information supports where they are they're good yeah and that's the problem that's where critical thinking has left and exactly they just don't want to do it because look there's enough information out there and I've dug into so many things. Like I've been down the rabbit holes. I have my own opinions. Whether they're wrong or right, that's for me to determine. That's right. for, that's my choice. But right. I've done the thinking. I've made the decisions based upon critical thought and reading and looking. You're not taking what the news tells mm-hmm. me. You're not taking what someone else yeah. tells me. <clears throat> but people are, and, I, and I've I've made wrong decisions. I've been wrong on certain beliefs I've had. I'm okay with that because I embrace failure. I em- that's how you learn. Like I learned, oh shit, that was wrong. I should have done this. And, I, and people are afraid to do that because it's uncomfortable. It makes them uneasy and they mm-hmm. don't like that. Like again, we seek that comfort. Comfort is knowing what I believe is right. Or there's people out there that tell me it's right. That's comfortable. I don't have to work anymore. I don't have to think anymore. Why should I need to do that? I'm right. We, we, we've gotten so arrogant though the, the yeah, internet the internet's made oh, us arrogant yeah we, we're incredibly arrogant that yeah. that's one of the we're arrogant and ignorant and that's not a good combo platter man you know <laughs> <laughs> no i mean you're you're right the air when you say arrogance in what respect so the arrogance to believe that we we believe our own bullshit yeah yeah as fact Right. Fight foundational to arrogance is fear, and we'll die on that hill yeah. for our beliefs because we stated them, even though we've been proven multiple times that yeah. this particular belief is 
incorrect. Yeah. Many people will die on that hill for that belief. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it, that, yeah. I, I, there's not even anything to say. That, the, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's so hard because I'm, I'm just thinking, like, people are just coming to mind. And I'm just like, yeah, like, these people just, you could literally show them the opposite fact. Like, nope. Nope. I'm right. <laughs> and it's just like, come on. And, and, and there's a million different viewpoints, right? If you, if you shift your perspective one degree, everything changes. Yeah. And I mean, when, when you think about it, like how, let's take just a, a generalized question in life. How much is really objectively be able to be proven when you mm. think about it? Like how much of life in general can you objectively prove to be true or false? Not a lot. No, no. And, th- and this is the thing. So, so, but there are so many people now that think everything they believe can be objectively proven. Yeah. yeah. And that's wrong. That is wrong. Like that the whole wrong. point of science is it's constantly changing. Yeah. And you can't say, well, this is it. Well, no. Well, wh- if a doctor says something different, why is that doctor wrong? It's his, su- or, his or her subjective. 100%. But again, we get caught up in this. We think that we think there's too much objectivity in the world when there's not. There, there's a small segment of what we do in the world that can be objectively proven okay. or disproven with fact. The rest is perspective, and it's constantly changing. I would agree. And people don't get that. And that's a very important distinction that people need to understand about life in general. Sorry to derail that. No, I, I no, because there's I'm thinking to myself, I gotta I gotta change direction a little bit because I'm gonna go down a very slippery slope here in a second. He always does that to me. Manhood manifesto. Yeah. Your new book. Yep. We're gonna talk about this. All right, cool. So how long the process? How many years you've been writing? Oh, only about five, maybe. Okay. So yeah. this is a five a work of a oh, five-year progress. No, that 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 book was probably when did I meet you? Like 20, 2019. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. So it the the real genesis of the book came March. about August of twenty eighteen. Okay, so it's relatively recent. Then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I've gone through a good portion of it. Yeah. Um, I will complete it. Just have unfortunately I tried. I couldn't get it done before the show in its entirety. Yeah. It, it's enough, actually I know enough a to pretty be dangerous. Yeah. Enough to be dangerous. Yeah, um, it's a good book. So, what was the initial, for lack of a better word, inspiration for the book? Oh wow! So, um, I I went to, I, I wrote another book, mm-hmm. and so I had a publicist, and she said, "Well, you got to go out and do speaking," and I was scared shitless of doing public speaking. I really was. It was weird. <laughs> it was really weird. Like I couldn't do it. I okay. tried it, and I just pissed all over myself i was terrible really oh yeah 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 it was hilarious it was actually hilarious just sent him for you huh just sent him for we you. met at the speaking event we, we, we met, met. Spe- so so this publicist says well, you got to go meet this woman trisha brooke and okay. trisha brooke that's yeah. that's how we know it. that's yeah. a common denominator between us so um she goes you got to meet her and so she's having this workshop in chicago so i go down to okay to chicago and i go to this workshop and i'm sitting in the back of the room and it's and i'm there with there's like 25 people there there's two dudes one guy's gay and me and then 23 chicks women I, I can't say yeah. chicks right so anyway 23 women and they were all and, and 
all these people in this workshop are ballers. They're all like published authors. They're all running foundations, running businesses, you know, running PR firms. They're, I mean, uh, entrepreneurs. There was a, right. a woman who ran a manufacturing company down in Georgia. I mean, these were like world-class leadership type of people. And I'm sitting in the back of the room going, what in the hell am I doing here, right? <laughs> so then they summoned me up to the front of the room. And this is like supposed to be a speaking workshop. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing there. All right. <laughs> and what do you want to talk about? I said, I don't know. Well, what's important to you? And out of nowhere, it's like what's important to me is how men are viewed in the world and how men operate in the world right now. Right. right? And this is right around the Me Too thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've got like a room full of women. And it was like I was being used by something other than me. So I start mm-hmm. to start riffing. And, and Trish is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Did you come out of there alive? <laughs> no. I, I came out of there like, you know, elevated. Like these women are like, you got to get this message out to all the men in the world, right? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, they were cool. They okay. were cool. Okay. Um, so, no, because it, it's really a message about responsibility mm-hmm. and about self-awareness. Mm-hmm. That's really what the book's mm-hmm. foundationally Understood. about. Understood. Right? And, and so... Um, yeah, so that's where it started. So then I started building on that. And Why tr- that subject? Like, what... what, it, what brought that subject into your consciousness i think what it was was that was after the me too thing you know you could not hear the word masculinity without the prefix prefix toxic Mm -hmm. and that's not my experience of being a man nor my experience of most of the men in my life right Mm. is most of the men in my life are incredibly generous and kind and powerful and honorable men. Right. There's a couple of assholes in there. I mean, I mm-hmm. could be an asshole. Mm-hmm. It's not about being an asshole, right? Yeah, right, exactly. It's about it's about how you operate, you know, day to day and how you treat people around you. So, I just the the narrative wasn't matching my experience. Okay. Okay. So I got curious about it. Then I started looking at media and the Disney dads and how what the buffoons they make them look like. And then when you look at all the the conversations and and all the 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 the, the casting of characters on, on different television shows or, or movies, right? There, there became this subtle shift to where men, masculinity, and any expression of traditional masculinity... Yeah, they're, they're eliminating masculinity mm-hmm. from entertainment. Exactly. Yep. Be- and I'm like, wait a minute, no. No, this is important. And then the other thing, after I, I started riffing on this, I started doing research. Talk first, research mm-hmm. second. That's what yeah. I always say, right? <laughs> Welcome to podcasting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then I started finding out the impact, like, in the educational system to, to, to young men. Okay. And the structures for young men and the mm-hmm. gaps in that, right? And how we are, we are, like you said, we're trying to eliminate traditional masculinity from our culture. And the truth, and you really look at it, and and... When you look at the the development of Western civilization, right, and how we got to be this place and how we got to be as comfortable as as we have, Mm -hmm. the heavy lifting was done by men. So the the narrative and the the objective reality didn't match, and nobody was saying anything about it. Okay. So then I got, you know, I started looking about it, I started talking about it, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if I do a very good job of writing about it or talking about it, but that's my stand. Okay. And um, so that's what I've been been wrestling with and it's not and in and, and the place we got to look if, if there's a problem right the only way you can solve a problem is if you own it mm-hmm. and that's what my talk with, at, at Trisha's thing was where I met Rocco was listen we got a problem here like with men and I'm going to take it on I'm going to own this problem mm-hmm. and this problem comes from an absence of self-awareness and an absence of ownership of the issue you know because mm-hmm. everyone else is becoming a victim we can't be victims too 
And then, yeah. I, then during this whole time, I've also got into this this neuroscience yeah. profiling thing, right? Assessment. Yes. And I started noticing, <clears throat> like I've done probably 22, 2300 of them, probably 70% men, 30% women. And I, I got to the point where I could just look at it without looking at the person's name and tell you if it was a man or a woman. And that, that was a big wake-up call for me. Because what, what I was seeing was men had a very strong relationship to the external world and how to do business and how to get things done and all of that, and a very limited relationship to themselves. And so, that, and so what happens is when we're in a time of overwhelm, in a time of chaos, right, and the traditional ways, the, 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 the regular ways of strategy aren't working, all, we're, all we have left is ourselves and our own sense of purpose and mission. And if we don't have that, we're going to make really dumb decisions. Okay. Right? And so I started noticing that, brought that into my, into my coaching practice and into my consulting. And so just all of this. So, so really that's kind of how this has all evolved. And it's still evolving, you know. It's, I, by no means is it a complete. So when you decided the subject matter yeah. that you were going to write about, you obviously in the year 2021, you knew the slippery slope you're probably walking into oh, am i right <laughs> dude, I, so i wrote the book the last three months of just the title alone because i don't know if we're allowed to even use the word manhood anymore yeah, in today's well, society or the word masculinity for that matter anyway, so, i wrote a testimonial for the book so yeah i'm aware yeah so it's so fantastic. the original title of the book was man the fuck up <laughs> that's pretty good yeah well here's so my publisher who are great right there was a plethora of books. That, that could be book number two. Huh? That could be book no, number two. No, well, it may be. Who knows? <laughs> but that was, that was, so I wrote the book with that as a title. So they call me up and they're like, dude, you know, there's like 25 books out there that are using the F word in the title. Yeah. And it's like, it's going to lose all the punch, all the power. We're like, we miss it by like three, four months. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, mm -hmm. what do you think? So I was coming up with all these different variations of man the fuck up. And my publisher, David Bernstein, goes, what do you think about this? He goes, Manhood Manifesto. I said, I freaking love it, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, um, the whole manifesto part is actually what this is about. Because as I said, talk first, research later. Well, write first, research later. I mean, there's not a <laughs> tremendous amount of research in there, a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it really is um, uh, 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 just a, a aggregation mm -hmm. of experiences, learning, conversations. I mean, I, I have incredible conversations with men you know 25 hours a week right right so you do that over time you get a cr pretty clear picture and understanding of what the landscape looks like right sure so from the true sense of what a manifesto is which is a position held by the writer that's really what the book is so i'm like done i mean it was like a 15 second conversation there was no negotiation so that's how the, that's how the the uh, title came about do you think that the over I don't know how to say this I want to make sure I do not articulate this incorrectly this could not be good um, you know what just drop it and we'll work through it yeah the <laughs> right the question yeah, exactly. the question is Open mouth we're so things. overly overly sensitive now yeah. and everybody's got to be attached to a cause and a lot of the causes are individual circumstances mm -hmm. in the aggregate that get blown up to then somehow wash over the rest and incriminate the rest mm -hmm. 
and we just kind of label that and call it bad and yeah. stick it over here. Does yeah. that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's what I think a lot of the movements in this country are driven by. Yeah. Not that there are, there is absolutely injustices in society. Sure. There always have been. But areas or pockets of injustice or systemic injustice mm-hmm. where, where it belongs, or it, where it occurs, it is never appropriately labeled. We just we we just blanket everything, right. put it in a container, and then that's that now. We're going to move forward knowing that that's bad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or that we don't understand something. And, and I think that's these terms that get thrown around all the time. I just I want to dissect them because when you get down to the nitty gritty, the origin of why the term arose is often one or two case related. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's right. not related because a scientific study was done on two million people right it's like three or four cases out of you know 350 million in this country right right? that's where i think where i'm getting with the long-winded way of saying that i think that there's i don't i'm not sure that i'm seeing reality when i'm looking at all the catch terms and the movements in the country Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that they're all based on reality they're not they're based on emotionalism and they're based on reaction to a narrative and everyone's trying to look good mm-hmm. right so and that's a sim- that's symptomatic I think of the internet yeah well, it, oh, it, yeah, it's absolutely. symptomatic of narcissism yeah mm-hmm. right and so we've got because of the loss of any kind of spiritual practice or spiritual belief or purpose or anything mm-hmm. bigger than us th- there's there's four core distinctions in leadership and so one of the things one of the things you're pointing to is the absence of leadership. And one of the things I point to in the book is the, the reason we're in the condition we're in is because the abdication of male leadership. Mm-hmm. So what happens is their stuff goes down. It's remarkably stupid. And you know what? We just go, we're going to sit this one out. Yeah, it's not worth it. You know, mm-hmm. your, your teenage daughter who lives in the suburbs, who's 16 years old and who dyes her hair purple. That's not a problem. And she wears a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. But she has no real black friends or has never experienced anything inside the black culture. But all of a sudden is calling you and and talking about systemic racism. It's all nonsense. But it's been driven by the information from the media Mm -hmm. and from a way to control us. And what we're doing, we're just sitting back here and going, okay. And every time, here's, here's, here's what I had to come to terms with. Every time I sat back and allowed a false narrative to to occur I was complying with it and mm-hmm. when you talk about indifference and things you care about mm-hmm. like I used to care about BMWs and Rolex watches and shit like that mm-hmm. I don't care about that stuff now what I care about is freedom what I care about is human beings living the fullest of their potential and what I care about is people owning their voice and when we sit back and we abdicate that when this nonsense goes on and it takes us over like a wave that begins to get to my attention mm-hmm. and so that's what's really driving the thing you know and you know, I'm kind of like a one man, not a one man show. We had a, we had a man fest, and it was amazing. Yeah. So we had you know close to 15 guys there, and we had these conversations, and it was remarkable. Mm-hmm. And, really it, was. It, and the thing is, there was no structure. For it, what, what I was, I, I brought these guys together. I didn't know what would happen. I, I thought a hockey game would break out, right? <laughs> I mean, I had no idea. But what what was really interesting was everybody was kind of aligned on the same issues mm-hmm. with everything. And there was a range of politics. There was gay and straight guys. There were black guys and Hispanic guys and white guys. Yeah. You know, it w- but it was all guys. Yeah. And what, what was happening, and, and what I assert is happening, is, is men were so used to operating individually mm-hmm. that it, when we stand up 
in opposition to this vast narrative coming at us, we get rolled over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who wants to do that? Who wants to put themselves on a suicide mission? It's not good sense. It's not pragmatic. Yeah. So we're sitting back, but then it's got to the point like how how much more can we take? Mm-hmm. And it's not that we're victims at all. It's like we've got to get re- we got to get really clear. That's why the th- that the call for this book is to really do the work and get clear on what's important to you. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not building a revolution here. Right. What I want people right. to do is get responsible with the relationship to themselves, and then and then. If it makes sense, get a hold of me or Rocco or any of us that are like in this conversation now, yeah. and then we'll start talking, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But but up until then, just really pay attention, because to me, it's clear as day what's going on out there. Clear as day. Yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting. The am yeah. I rambling too much? No, 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 no. no. It's was... interesting to see the. What I can only say from my experience yeah. is an attack on traditional roles within society. Absolutely. And I have no compunction saying that I'm not worried about who yeah. I offend yeah. because I'm not saying, I'm not even making a value judgment. And I'm, not, I'm assuming most people do and believe what they want out of mm-hmm. a good place in their being, as confused as they may be. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that turning society genderless. Mm-hmm long term right is going to be healthy for the species no i just don't i don't see a good no. and, I, and i'm going to be gone and you're going to be gone yeah. and generations behind us are going to be gone long before that ever actually would happen but we're trending certainly in a weird way we're, we're getting away from traditional roles right and look we have to understand there are just fundamental differences between genders yeah. and we just have to call it like it is i mean i'm 225 pounds right my mm-hmm. wife's 110 pounds there are certain things that i just can do that she can't right. there are certain things she can do that i can't that's because of the gender and what, let me ask you this question so i agree with you um and, and i don't and i do not believe and I have never believed that when it comes to intelligence or cognitive mm-hmm. skills, that there was ever. I never believed that there was a competition. You know, no. I, I I think there was some injustice in regards to pay yeah. right, decades ago. Clearly was. Yes. But in terms of you know, I don't think that. I, but I think on the physical characteristics mm-hmm. of the gender, it's you can't deny. And, no. and, I, and it's a whole conversation for the sports world yes. to deal with in the Olympics. And, yes. My point is, why does it have to be a competition? Like, why are certain people in society gearing and driving a narrative that somehow makes it wrong that men are good at physical things based upon how they're genetically made? Like, why does it have to that have to be equalized out? Because if it doesn't get equalized, then it's not fair. Like, where did that thought come from? Or what, what's it, or what is it coming from? What's the genesis of that? I think where it came from was the whole, when we achieved the objectives of the women's liberation movement, right? The, the equality of pay, the equality of cultural positions, the equality of citizenship, right? Then there had to be the next level of, okay, how do we assert ourselves more? And so what it, what it became then was this, well, you know, if we're equal to men, then we don't need men. Mm-hmm. And then we started denying the, the mm-hmm. biological and intellectual differences between men and women. If you, if you look 
if you start looking at like math scores and things like that, overall men usually perform higher than women in that. If you look at literature scores, women typically perform higher than that in men. You know, the communication skills women do a very good job of. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, but but it's not always across the board. There's people who do all of it, right? Of course. But but it's just it, we just started. You know, there, there became at least it occurred to me that, that it became this like let's eliminate men. And what I think it is is once you achieve that one objective, then it becomes about power and control. It's not about that objective anymore. Yeah, it's like what's next. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's it's I think it's you know this thing of like let's how do we get more power? How how do we get more control? Listen to the narrative of any of the left leaning political expressions. It's always about how do we get more power? Mm-hmm. How do we how do we get more influence? How, how do we how do we get things our way? See, okay, this is where this is where we may have a different kind of viewpoint because I agree with everything you've said. Yeah. We're in congruence, but I I believe that this is not a new phenomenon on its face. I believe that these groups, your mm-hmm. far right, your far left, your your and, and that's even, not even they, a good they, example. They, but yeah. hear me out. They've always been there. Yeah, I think in today's society, mm-hmm. though the masses have relinquished power Mm -hmm. to a small minority of people Mm -hmm. and they have exerted that power of thought right or they're trying to over the masses. we've we've empowered the minority of and again i hate using that word because there's a connotation i don't mean Mm -hmm. i'm saying Mm -hmm. in terms of minority of thought you know you're far left and far right Mm -hmm. have louder voices in society than they really fucking deserve right i mean the the real powers in the middle that wasn't before the web that was they were the fringe they were the fringe lunatics that weren't really taken serious and they were thrown in the corner they were thrown in the corner at the convention every four years Mm -hmm. they weren't uh, they weren't giving talks because they weren't representing the majority of people right how did that get turned on its head so i think what happened when we talk about that and and tell me if this resonates yeah when we talk about that explosion of information and data, right? Okay. And we get into the state, this cultural state of overwhelm. Everyone's afraid. Everyone's overwhelmed. Everyone, mm-hmm. and you may not even be aware of it, but so when you're afraid and overwhelmed, what ends up happening? We got to we got to seek higher ground. We got to seek protection. We got to seek our people. We got to mm-hmm. seek our tribe, right? So what ends up happening? You know, I don't agree with everything that person says, but I'm going to go with them. And I don't agree with everything that person says, but I'm going to go with them. So it creates a schism. Right, mm-hmm. and so then we, because it's all about survival. Then, and and the, the there's no there's no critical thinking in survival, mm-hmm. and 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 the real the, the the it's almost a cosmic joke of this is the real solution is through partnership. When we talk of men yeah. and women, we're designed to be partners. It, it's a yin and a yang. Yeah, right? absolutely. The real solution to these cultural issues we're having is really the, there's ideas on both sides that make great sense. Mm-hmm. You know, who could argue for more justice? I mean, who could argue against more justice? You mm-hmm. know? Who could argue against giving people the right to vote? Mm-hmm. Right? But then who can argue about you know, four. Well, it's okay if it's through the mail, and some people vote ten or twenty or four hundred times, and you know, right. So, we got to actually start the communication process, like Rocco said probably yeah. an hour ago. We got. We're not doing that. We're not sitting down and talking with one another. Well, and to, and to your point, you know, back to kind of the, yeah. what touches on the book, like what you said, th- these voices are so loud, and 
because men have been vilified, we just say it's easier just to stay the fuck out and not argue about it and just do my own thing. And that's what's happened to a lot of people in the middle. You let those voices got loud because the rest of us are just doing other shit. Like I'm like I, I, I put myself in that boat. Like I like I used to be a lot more political yeah. and mm-hmm. really you know. But I, that indifference has come, mm-hmm. and I've just been focused on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And when it impacts me is when I take a stand. But now I'm also learning. You know, seriously, like after reading the book and the work we've done, there are certain things I need to stand up more yeah. for because that's my role as a man. And and there and there are and we do have to learn to coexist. It is meant to be a partnership with women. That's how we solve the problems, mm-hmm. and we can't we can't just vilify one or the other. We have to learn to. We were created for a purpose. There are men and women for a reason, mm-hmm. right? They're created for a reason. We have to work in partnership. There are just things we can't do. Mm-hmm. There are things they can't do. But together, the the sum of the whole is greater than the parts. Yeah. When we're all aligned in working to fix the actual problems, but the problem is because men have been beaten down i'm just using men as the example we just stay out we're just like fuck it i'm not going to get involved in this bullshit yeah you know it's really fascinating to me on this this and this is definitely a, a segue what we're yeah. discussing but i would love to hear your thoughts i think there's a lot of intellectual bullying in today's society <laughs> or the attempt or the attempt of yes, it oftentimes i'll say the attempt because you have to you have to accept <laughs> yeah. it you have to be bullied you have to you have to accept the bully yeah, right yeah. but the attempts are there it's like the beauty of our society for me friends is when you are are sophisticated enough humble enough to yeah. realize that everybody is different yes yep. And that includes everybody. Yep. And all the delineations of skin yep. color, yes. yeah. gender. Yep. And there's always going to be things that you don't understand. Intellectually, yep. you know, mm-hmm. there's going to be things that are different than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you can find that fascinating and not as not a threat, and you live your life that way, you look at the rest of the world in a weird light because yeah. You have people that might be unique that are struggling with their gender, right. they're have, going through issues. Mm-hmm. They need the space to do it mm-hmm. with freedom and respect yep. and yeah. dignity. Absolutely. But they don't need a megaphone to try to shut, to shut down the mass of people mm-hmm. that are living a more conventional life. Yeah. Right. It doesn't mean one is right and wrong. Right. One's more conventional, so you're yeah. probably thinking, well, this is not right or wrong. This is how most of society is yeah. living. Mm-hmm. But we've given the megaphone to the fringe. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't mean fringe in a weird way. Don't no. fucking get mad. <laughs> we've given it to the smaller group of people yeah. that are going through a different kind of life. When they're not the majority or the of majority of the mass, they shouldn't have the right to impose their will on the majority because the mechanics of life Mm -hmm. as we maneuver only works if you can make rational pragmatic decisions and move on to the next thing yeah you make rational pragmatic decisions and move on to the next thing because you do what the majority wants in society for that particular moment and you move on Mm -hmm. when you empower those who are on the fringe and elevate their rights above the yes. masses, Correct. 
you create this function. Mm -hmm. If I'm going into surgery, my thoughts are uh, my thought is I'm going to get the surgeon who's going to operate on me to, and I'm going to take his advice. Yes. But if I elevate the importance of the janitor there, yep. or the or the endoscopic uh, you know person, yes. or or the business manager, and I elevate their opinion of my surgery because they have a right to have their opinion, and yeah. me take it fucking seriously. Yep. Oh, I'm having the heart surgery, right? Yep. But I have if I have to elevate their opinion mm -hmm. and validate it equal to the surgeon, the mechanics of life will not work correctly. 100 percent this is the problem as mm -hmm. I see it where we have given the illusion of importance to people's opinions and beliefs and ways of living mm -hmm. and trying to make them feel good which I want them to feel yeah but not give them the importance to then dominate over the masses mm -hmm. to find their validation because you're fucking up the system <laughs> and the masses are beaten down and weak and they won't stand up for what's right and wrong as we maneuver the mechanics of life. That's where I see the problem is. And if people are offended by anything I said, you're an intellectual idiot. Because I have <laughs> yes. not offended any rational thinking human. I'm talking about the mechanics of maneuvering yeah. one's life throughout the day where you cannot validate and overstate the importance of people who don't have the capacity to give an intellectual opinion on a subject. You can't give them the same credence mm -hmm. as people who do it for a living. And that imbalance exacerbated over an entire population mm -hmm. has fucked up America. 100% agree. You're no, welcome. I, mean, I, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, it, and it's and it's the, the other problem I see on top of that is we we have created a society where intellectual opposition is a call for a fight, as opposed to it should be a call for inquisition. You know, it should be. It yeah. should be when you have someone that's intellectually opposed to you, that should allow you to question things, but not call for a fight or a battle or to elevate one's intellectual opinion over someone else's. You inquire into what is right and yeah. in, in what makes sense with the facts at hand or the subjective viewpoint and you said it perfectly like when we're elevating these people's opinions or or their perspectives above or their illusion of rights right exactly it's like it does fuck up the system because we do we, we were found on a system of majority yeah. right and now we're letting the 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 pieces on the end every nation in the world yes. is set up that way yes. but beyond political yes you have to maneuver through life yes. you make your best determination on this issue based upon the majority what weighs the scale of logic right, right. the right side or the left side whatever weighs the heaviest you make that decision and you move on because you have to make lunch you, you right. don't sit. You don't sit there and waste your whole fucking right. day yes. because the the one side has the right to have their opinion heard. Well, yeah, you can talk to your blue in the face, but if it's if your if your opinion does is the minority of of opinions, you're not, you you should not be able to muck up the system because the majority wants something else. Dude, yeah, right. Well, you're not offending anybody. Right, exactly. This yeah. isn't about taking someone's rights away from them or because no. of their right. color, their skin, their gender. This is not about any of that. No. This is the mechanics of life. Yes. Yes. When that offends people. I know, man. What you articulated. <laughs> I don't get it. You articulated the fallacy of equity. 
the whole idea of equity. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's a fancy way of putting it, but I'll agree with you. But <laughs> the the other thing, if you think about what you what you just discovered, the mechanics of life. So everything in physical nature lives inside a standard distribution curve. Would you mm-hmm. not agree? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So any Ooh, bo- we can have a physics talk. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. So so head's gonna explode. So you've got standard distribution, right? Uh-huh. And so what you're talking about is the people that are getting voiced now, the people, the outliers. Yes. The, the mm-hmm. three yes. standard deviations from the mean, th- those are it. But what's happened is through social construction and through the pandemic, yeah. because what does flatten a curve mean? Instead of having a normal standard distribution, yeah. you're pressing down, spreading it out, right? Mm, yeah. And and creating sameness. Yeah. And mm. the pull, one of the neo-Marxist left agendas is to create sameness yeah. with all people. That's mm-hmm. what equity is, right? Mm-hmm. We've got to make everyone the same. It's complete and utter fucking bullshit, and it doesn't occur in nature. Yeah. Right. Yet, right. You have an intellectual argument with someone, you're a racist, you're a misogynist, mm-hmm. you're a xenophobe, you're this... Because I've had these. Mm-hmm. Listen, I've got a degree in engineering. I've got 18 hours of graduate level statistics. I understand standard dis- distribution mm-hmm. pretty well. Mm-hmm. And when that whole flattener curve came out, I go, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, right. I said, "Here's what's going to happen. It's going to it's going to create the amount of uh, what's it called when they have the deviant things when they you know the del- the delta virus the the different uh, variants. The more you flatten the curve." the more variance there's going to yeah, be because yeah. you're spreading it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, you know, what my degree is in, in is understanding process. You want to get something done quick? Squeeze it. Yeah. What we should have done was raised the curve, get everybody get the virus right away, and then be done with it. Mm-hmm. But because we're pussies... I'm sorry, did I use... Yeah. Same. <laughs> no, but because we're living in fear all the time. Okay. And we're not looking at things critically, and we're not using real science and real math to figure out problems. Yeah, we do dumb shit. Yes, yeah. And then we say dumb yes. shit, and you said it so articulately in in like a social. Way. <laughs> no, that's exactly what it was, man. I'm gonna clip that out and like listen to it every single time. I, I, right? I, I I have some practice because it's been a, a mantra of mine. I just do not understand. Yeah, but that, I, it's that's, so a logical way to live that way. Well, that's what we're denying. A third grader should figure that out. We're oh, denying right. standard distribution. We're denying that there's act. And listen, it happens in education. When you start studying what happens in education, they deny the normal distribution of things. Mm-hmm. But my point is, yeah. the masses give permission, of course, for. <laughs> For for the minority voice to be raised and elevated, I don't get that. What what what's wrong with us? Again, we got to get back. We're all in overload, and if someone wants to carry the water, let them carry the water. I'm just going to sit here in my basement and watch That's more Netflix. That's so dangerous, dude. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent is dangerous. Wait till the Chinese tanks start rolling down the streets of Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it, and that's the problem, and, and that's where you know we need people to start standing up for things again, and. We need to tolerate different opinions. We need to tolerate different intellectual perspectives. That's how we solve the problem. Because, like, look, when Trump was in office, like, it was a complete, in people's mind, a complete clusterfuck. And we talked about this last night, night, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, at the game. Trump was the dark side president. Yeah. 
He was, he was everybody. Like we've talked about the dark side before and how everybody has this yin and yang, you know, your shadow yep. self. Yep. Trump was America's shadow self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people didn't know how to deal with it. But, but the work you do, like, we, like the work we've done together and just in my own personal life, once you understand that and embrace it, it changes everything. It makes you whole. It makes you complete. And America didn't engage enough with that shadow self and that's why we're in the position where this is not about being political no this Mm -hmm. is about trump was the anti-president and we needed something like that to happen right but the problem is most americans because we seek comfort in looking at the shadow self and looking at your dark side is the most uncomfortable fucking journey you'll go on as a country we couldn't handle it and we had to get him the fuck out uh we want want comfort joe biden was comfort (laughs) oh my god what a question but that's what it was and that's what happened the thing you just said i didn't even think about because i heard you mention last time yeah okay he's he's a shadow side but the worst thing you could do when you go down that tunnel yeah. is not go all the way through. Right, exactly. So we got halfway through the tunnel with this dude, yeah. and then we bailed because we didn't have the guts yeah. to, to, to fulfill what was started. Yeah. So, so yeah. my take's a little different. My, no, that's uh, fine. I, no, no, yeah. but I, I'm with you. I, I just think point blank that um, on a less deep way of putting it, yeah. I just think Trump was... Trump Trump held up a mirror, or Trump was the reflection in the mirror for every fucking American, mm-hmm. and sure. nobody likes that side of themselves <laughs> exactly because right. they're yeah, terrified exactly or they're right. embarrassed by it, yeah. right? Exactly or a combination it. of the two. But Trump was basically a reflection <laughs> yeah. of every American because I think we, since we were little kids yeah. in modern, let's yeah. say the past two hundred years ish. Mm-hmm. We're instructed as a little kid that the president's this iconic being, and we it's want, our, we want yeah. our president to be yeah. better, a better person than we are. Right. Yeah. The reality is, to get to that position, you're probably a, deep down inside a no good mother. Yeah. Right. If by the time yes. you get there, you have done more, and I'm talking about Clinton and mm-hmm. Reagan and Bush and mm-hmm. Obama, they've done more backroom deals to mm-hmm. get to that position. Yep. They're not really high quality people. They're just a figurehead that right. had yes. to maneuver and got there. Right. Yes. That being said, Trump was that on steroids, <laughs> and he he was the reflection in the mirror yeah. that we just could not. And it and it, it offended our sensibilities because we can't be that bad. We're not that bad as a human. Well, you know what? We kind of we are. are. We are. We kind of are. And maybe that real. was the other extreme. So yeah. you know, we've mm-hmm. gone from a president from a from a guy who's a cadaver here to Trump, who's <laughs> yeah. You know, so we've had it. Now we've got you know. So the, it, it is kind of ironic, and we're we're having this show here at the end of August. Yeah. We just yeah. Said, we don't time stamp these, but. It is interesting to see, yeah. without going down the rabbit hole, yeah. about the dichotomy between those two men oh, I know. and yeah. what society is encountering. Uh, lunacy, we left the lunacy for senility, and <laughs> yeah. you know it's flipped 180, yep. and I'm going to probably think the senility is going to end up being a little worse. Well, right. I, I mean- yeah. Trump was the if we are a government by the people for the people Trump is the people that's how he won he spoke to middle America he spoke to people it resonated with people and yeah you're 100% right he's a reflection of all of us like I believe human beings are are fundamentally good by nature right society is what changes us mm-hmm. america has made us have this shitty side to ourselves i believe or just just society in general trump was a complete reflection of all of us and like you said 
we don't like that. We didn't want to believe that was us. It's ugly. It's like when you do that shadow work and look at that dark side, it's an ugly side of yourself that you got to understand. And we as a country couldn't handle it. And he's mean. He says mean things. Get him out here. I just want someone normal. I want that comfortable old white dude president. And that's what we got. But 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 to your point, we went down. We went down the path. And like when you're going through hell, you've got to come out you the other side. Going, we yeah. just said, up. Oh, we'll go halfway and we'll come back. And let's just yeah. go back to the beginning. And that's where we are. And I don't know which one will be better. I mean, it's, it's still too early to tell. I mean, we see what's happening in the world right now. But you're right. Like America didn't want to believe that was who we are. And unfortunately it is, but that's what makes America so fucking great. Mm-hmm. We can be that way mm-hmm. and we can still function as a society. And yes, there are problems, but every country has problems. Yeah. There's yeah. nowhere else I want to be. What is it, you know, the crazy part about this country is that it was founded by some mean people. Some, yes. I mean, like, uh, listen, dude, you got to be a badass to stay. You know, to to create some territory, and I'm and again, I am not saying that we should live our lives that we. You know, there's no reason why, you know, uh, Lewis and we have to live our life today like Lewis and Clark did right when now. they were out, you know, killing Indians and you things. Know. I mean, I'm not saying to do that today. I'm just saying that we really are so hellbound on re- even rewriting, trying to rewrite history, which is the most ridiculous so concept. Stupid concept to even try to do that but, yeah. but basically we want to make history not so harsh for future generations yeah, we no, want to you, sanitize it no you want to make history as real as possible mm-hmm. for every generation you yes. want to you want trump's warts this good and bad to be visible three yes. generations now you want this person's who's there now you want this garbage yeah you know and maybe yep. hopefully he does some good stuff but you want his entire record to be visible and accurate three four five generations from now you don't want to twist listen i want to know hitler was a despicable human being right. i need to know that yeah. my kids right. need to know that my grandchildren need to know hitler yes. is a despicable human being mm-hmm. okay you don't Absolutely. you know and if you're going to change American history, because mm-hmm. there were some very despicable human beings, yeah, and a lot of them absolutely. were Confederate generals, and the slavery was a fucking horrible thing. Yep. But you can't pretend it didn't happen. Yes. Right. That's exactly. You right. know, I mean, Hitler and Stalin yeah. killed a lot of people. Yeah. You know, you're not going to go tell Europe they're going to. You're not going to. You're not going to go to Israel right now and tell them, hey, you know, we're going to thinking about maybe because it's a little kinder to rewrite that whole Holocaust thing for future That's, generations in the history yeah. books. Are you fucking kidding me? Right. Like, wh- what kind of woke mentality includes rewriting atrocities, rewriting them? I get not celebrating them, and I think of some course. statues are celebratory and should be gone. Absolutely. Okay. I think there's a difference between a monument mm-hmm. and a statue. You can make a delineation. I think mm-hmm. that some things are representative of history for learning. Some are celebratory. I think yes. we as a, an intellectual species can figure out which is which. I'm yes. not saying we're doing that now, Correct. but we can do that if we choose to. Sure. But that's argument aside. I don't believe celebrating evil, mm-hmm. but you can't. Under any circumstance, pretend it didn't happen yeah. or try to erase it, erase it or rewrite it. I mean, what kind of moron does that? You can't, you can't remove evil because you need to know it I don't exists. Get. You need to know it exists. You need to know. I mean, we learn from history. If you erase the evil from history, then we repeat ourselves. 
that's what will fucking happen. Well, you know, it gets back to the yin and yang, too. Yeah. The level that we can accept evil is also the level we can accept love. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. The level that we can be with the despicability of human beings mm-hmm. and the, the meanness of it is a level that we can accept generosity. And when we look mm-hmm. now, when we start thwarting that mm-hmm. expression of, like, the, the thing that drives me nuts is hate speech, right? Like, fuck, really? Yeah. So when we start thwarting and, and reducing the way we can express ourselves on the the the, the dark side, let's yeah, say, okay? Yeah. We're also putting a cap on the level that we can express we can express ourselves on the on the light side. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening now, yes, we've censored people. Yes, we've reduced hate speech. Yes, mm-hmm. we're we're reducing the influx of, of evil. Well, we're not really, but we think we are. Mm-hmm. But we've also reduced the expression of love and acceptance and mm-hmm. kindness and warmth, right? Hundred percent. And and so so we need it all. That's what that's what being alive is about. Yeah. Well the hate speech argument always falls short with me because you can't apply it to love speech because the same kind of attack you would yeah. which you deem hate you're also you also could could say that this is too loving for some reason mm-hmm. it doesn't come to mind right now but it could be you could yeah. have an, a, an opposite way of viewing that yep sure but the the issue is it all comes down to it's all arbitrary like if you're going to yeah. hate speech then there's got to be a governing body determining what's acceptable and what isn't and right. exactly. that becomes thought policing yep. exactly. which goes against the concept that providing you're not initially harming someone like mm-hmm. crawl is you know yelling fire in a crowded theater right you know and and that even gets sketchy yeah it really is if we're going to protect anything we really need to protect the opportunity of free expression because Absolutely. the moment you clamp down and you arbitrarily decide what is hate and what isn't what's offensive what isn't it's it's game over man right, I, I mean it's look, game over look at the shit that happened with social media so our president of America was kicked off of social media yet the Taliban mm-hmm. who are beheading people in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. their Twitter has not been shut down. I know. Explain that to me. I Explain know. the logic. Like that. This is the problem, right? We're, we are starting to eliminate <laughs> the freedom of expression, no question. the freedom of thought, and like to your point, you have the yin the yang, the black and white of life. Yeah. If you start eliminating it, then everything just becomes gray, and we live in a fucking shitty society because yeah. you have to have the polar opposites. You have to have evil to have love. No, you have to have bad to have good. If you start eliminating the evil, then everything just kind of meshes in the middle and the yeah. world turns gray. Yeah. And that's that's what's happening right now. And the fact like that whole Twitter thing like still blows my fucking mind. How on earth can we say we're going to remove the president because he's fucking mean right. and says things that offend people but a terrorist organization that have literally killed Americans mm-hmm. and are doing terrible things, they haven't been shut down yet. Even and, as we sit here right now. Right. As we sit here, August 26th, they have not been shut down. I, uh, what I asked, the fuck? I asked that question on social media. Do you yeah. know what the response I got was? More hate, probably. No, no. It was actually really, really interesting. Okay. The Taliban followed the standards set forth by Twitter. That's where we've arrived. Oh my god! Is is that not the most? That's ridiculous. Fucked thing you've ever heard. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But so that's it's it's, it's the unbelievable. Color, it, it, that's the, that's I saw that and I was speechless. I was like, whoa, that one got me, man. Okay, so yeah. let me ask your opinion on something. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's a different kind of question. Mm-hmm. So 
we had a conversation last night at a baseball game mm-hmm. where well, Mike and I did mm-hmm. about social responsibility um, that brushes up against capitalism for mm-hmm. baseball team mm-hmm. owners. Mm-hmm. You know, we we were both kind of of the belief that you know, yes, you can run that business and make it profitable. You have mm-hmm. a right to do it. You own it. Mm-hmm. But in that particular field, uh, in that industry, mm-hmm. does a baseball owner also have a responsibility to understand the impact of what that does to the community? to understand their customer okay mm-hmm. um in in the same thing here with social media they're for-profit enterprises right mm-hmm. but now they have like gone beyond that because of their reach especially facebook is right billions of billions and billions of people have facebook yeah so how do they maneuver now in a um do they maneuver purely as a non-for-profit company? Do they maneuver a non-for-profit but with this social construct attached to it? Like, how does that work? Are we still figuring this out? I, I think we're still figuring it out. And what what I hope occurs, and, and again, I am the eternal optimist and I can live in la-la land as well as anybody. But what I hope occurs is that as human beings, we start, as we become more aware and we start sharing like the purpose of what it means to be alive, what it means to be a citizen, Right? Okay. So someone who like the the pirates are a great example, right? This guy has just he's just gutting the team mm-hmm. and he's pocketing all the cash. Mm-hmm. And it's actually created a model where there's more and more and more mm-hmm. teams doing it. The Cardinals are doing it. We watched the Cardinals last night. That team sucks. Mm-hmm. The Cubs have done it. Mm-hmm. The Kansas City Royals are doing it. The mm-hmm. Arizona Diamondbacks are doing it. They have it. done it. They have done it. So you've got Miami. these my uh, Miami, I think, is kind of quasi trying to rebuild, but they're in the early stages. They've actually put some resources. Baltimore, mm-hmm. Baltimore's another one. They've mm-hmm. just white flagged it, right? So, so first and foremost, Major League Baseball's got to ask the question: What are we here for? What's our purpose? If it's just to make money, it's not. As people get bored with the product, what's going to happen is this is why capitalism works. It doesn't work as quickly as we'd like, but people stop watching it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that, that's all there is to do. It's just. You know, what I love about PNC is like the most, is that what that's called now? Is the most beautiful ballpark in America, I think. Right. You know? Hard to argue. That's not, that's not either Wrigley or or Fenway. Fenway. Those two are in a case of their own. Red Sox. No, it's, have you been there? I like Have you been to Wrigley since it's it's been restored? It's a a cool ballpark. Give it a go. Dude. Okay. It, I'm I'm not even a Cub fan and I, I like love the place i put it up there near fenway and i've been there really? much of they, it, it's because yeah. it's old school you just feel yeah it's you feel the baseball cool. okay. there it's, it's very I'll cool they did it right they did yeah. it right yep uh, just shout out to theo yeah who, who's also the guy who restored fenway yeah exactly you know? yep so anyway um but yeah so so we just have to vote with our actions and our alignment and with mm-hmm. our dollars mm-hmm. and that's how capitalism works and it's going to take time but yeah i think and, and then the other thing, this is this is the absence of male le- leadership. I'm going to assert that the owner of the um, the Pittsburgh Pirates is an absolute and utter beta male because he doesn't have the stones to stand for the right thing to do. Hmm. You know, yeah. Because at the core of being a man is providing, protecting, and leaving a legacy. He's providing nothing to the to the fans of. of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He is not protecting the franchise, and he mm-hmm. definitely isn't creating a legacy. Mm-hmm. So he's abandoned his role as a man. So he mm-hmm. is, in my words, he's he's a, he's a douche. 
right? Mm-hmm. I think now, there's a lot of Pittsburghers who would agree with yeah. you. Yeah, and I, listen, I, I go to I go to one Pittsburgh game every five years. Yeah. you know, but the guy is he's he's the I don't even know I I don't even know the guy's name, but I can tell you just from what you're seeing, and the thing that blew me away when the when the Pirates came back, there were, I don't know seven thousand eight thousand people maybe. I said 700. 4,500. Was it 4,500? <laughs> I, I don't know what it was. I don't know. But there weren't a lot of people there. There were sections that were completely empty, yeah. you know? And, uh, and and when they came back, you could feel it, man. We were sitting... Yeah. <laughs> How bougie is this? We were sitting in our box. <laughs> we were in Rocco's box, yes. <laughs> yeah. We were sitting... Like, <laughs> dude, when I say that, I just thought, oh, hey, my God, this is hilarious. We had a good time. We had a, good we had a time. great That's time. But we were sitting in our box, bullshit, it was you yeah. and me and David, yeah. and all of a sudden, everything... like. Ah, there's a the baseball game going yeah, on. Exactly. And and it was you could feel like I could only imagine what that place would be like with forty thousand people. It would be wild. Yeah, right. It's something. You know? Yeah. It's gotta be a thing, man. And so I, I just I'm like, that dude is such an idiot because he's missing he could have that eight, that experience eighty one times a year. Right. Yep. Right. Right? But that on the social media front though, like these companies that are banning yeah. people because they're being pressured mm-hmm. to. I mean, the, the whole Trump banning from Facebook, whether you like Trump, whether you yeah. hate Trump, you got to put the emotions aside for a second yeah. and try to step back and look at what happened. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are you, if you're against Trump uh-huh. or if you're for Trump, or indifferent or don't give a fuck? Mm-hmm. Are you okay with them removing a mouthpiece from a sitting president? Are you okay with what that implies? And that implies is that you, the American, are not quite intelligent enough to yep. make up your own decision whether right. or not you want to That's ingest exactly or believe right. this man's words. Yep. That you're not smart enough to do that. Yeah. Yep. So we're going to protect you from it, that's, so you don't have to make that decision. That's exactly. The that's right what point. every American needs to look at, regardless of your political circumstances. Do you want media? I mean, right now our media, in terms of news media, mm-hmm. is a complete abject failure. Yeah. yeah. And I will make the arguments. Being a 55 mm-hmm. year old man, I can go back in time, remembering that there was some editorializing that mm-hmm. once in a while Dan Rather would creep in CBS Evening yep. News. You'd hear the liberalism come out in him. Yep. Or uh, Peter Jennings sometimes on ABC, mm-hmm. it, but not often. Right. It was right. it, it, they played it pretty mm-hmm. well. Right. Yep. But you saw it. Right. Yeah. You can make the argument that the liberal, liberal uh, type of thought in our country mm-hmm. had their way with yep. media, mm-hmm. and then I guess Fox came along in a mm-hmm. big way and maybe provided an alternative yeah. voice. I, th- I quite frankly think that, that happened on the radio with truckers in the '80s mm-hmm. and Limbaugh and all that yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. ultimately, the right then found their niche. Yes. And now what we have is Fox. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. I know it changes, but I think Fox is like the dominant horse now. But you have like mm-hmm. three, or f- but you have three or four yeah. other liberal yeah. Yeah. ones. Uh, you know, that's right. And you're actually, you've actually provided the public something horrible, and that mm-hmm. is the most easy way out of just mm-hmm. picking the side that they yeah. think yeah. philosophically is with them, and then getting their quote unquote news yep. from an echo chamber. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's not good. No. No. Well, to, to your point, would you? I want to go back to what you said about the the Facebook thing and. That is very profound, and, and that is the absence of critical thinking in this country, right? Because so many people are like, yeah, Trump should be banned. I'm like, do you understand what you're saying? You are basically saying that these social media companies have the power to tell you what you should and shouldn't believe. 
that is the bigger problem. It's not about removing Trump. It's about these companies, like you said, made the decision that you're not smart enough as a citizen of America to determine what you believe. We're going to do that for you. We're going to remove this shit for you. People don't look at that because that takes that extra step of critical thinking. What does this actually mean? There's like, yeah, he should be banned. He's saying bullshit. He's saying inject Lysol. No, he's not. He's not saying a lot of things. Like, no one wants to do that critical thinking. And they were just like, yes, he should be banned. He's an asshole. It's not about whether you like Trump or don't like Trump or banned or not banned. The fact is you just said you're okay with a private corporation that is muzzling your president. Muzzling your president <clears throat> because they believe the elites that run that company believe they know better. They know what's best for the public. Not that you have the brains to make your own decision. Okay. That's fucked up. Okay, so I grew up in a mixed household with Republicans and Yeah. I mean I've got I, I ingested it all as a kid. And sure. I was always told that what you had just described was labeled the limousine liberal. That's what okay. I remember hearing as a child. Okay. You know, they'll they'll you know, you know, do what I say, but don't look too closely at me. Yeah. You know, they yep. knew what was best. The yep. guy that never worked a day in his life right. in the house in Greenwich, Connecticut, somehow knows what's best for the single yep. mom with four kids in Crafton, PA. That exactly. that whole, yep. you know, I don't, like I said, I'm just going, I'm just labeling yeah. like I ingested as a kid. Yeah. But that kind of sounds like that, yeah. you know. So yeah. it really isn't what you described that Twitter or Facebook is doing, isn't that pretty much part of the cradle-to-grave mentality mm -hmm. that proliferates some political thought? Yeah. Cradle-to-grave meaning we're gonna this government's going to take care of you from the moment right. you're born to your dead. Absolutely. To the point when taking care of you can even protect you from meanness. Yes. Or protect you from having to make tough decisions. Yeah. That's part of the cradle-to-grave mentality. Yes. yes. It isn't just financial. No, absolutely. It's, it's the brain. I don't know if we're paying attention enough to realize well, that that's, that's we're not it. doing the critical thinking, but that's really what's happening. Yeah. And that's that's fucking scary. It's real scary. Like right? more so than the financial piece. Like when when we start letting companies or the government tell us what to think, how to act, what to put in our body, like that's a scary. Well, they, well, they can, see, I'm okay with them telling us, but then I would almost say, I would almost say that shame on us too for being so weak in our being mm -hmm. that we just succumb to whatever we're we just ingest whatever we're given right. because yeah. how do we get so soft because there was always crazy voices coming at you from yeah. all different kinds of angles mm -hmm. for decades but somehow we could discern what was good and move make good decisions and move forward and maneuver our life mm -hmm. why is it so hard to do that today <laughs> we've gotten really comfortable yeah we've progressed <laughs> to the, listen i i grew up where I grew up in Berwyn, right? There were all these bungalows throughout Berwyn. It was an area a lot like Carnegie, right? Yeah. Older suburb built in the between 1900 and 1920 something. Yeah. You know, it's probably fully built by 25. Right on. Right. So the the probably the average size house in that before any kind of reconstruction or addition was put on was probably about 900 feet, eight 900 feet. Okay. Okay. In that eight or 900 feet. It was not untypical to see a family of four kids. Oh yeah, right. Growing up, and and that's how we lived. And it was, and you had a backyard, and it was on a a lot that was twenty five feet by one hundred feet big, right? So most people, unless they're yuppies living in an urban area and have it completely rehabbed and done, and another fifteen hundred feet added to it, don't live that way. Mm -hmm. So 
fast forward, that's where I grew up. Where I live now, I live in a 2,500 square foot lot, or 2,500 square foot house, which is bigger than the lot I lived on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. On a, you know, a, almost a third of an acre, you know, out in the burbs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's two people living there. Got it. Mm-hmm. Right? So what's comfortable? You know, what's mm-hmm. not comfortable? Yeah. A- and the, the thing then becomes two, you know, then you just put all this stuff and we just get, we got so addicted to comfort and convenience and mm-hmm. to, so addicted to things that became our God, mm-hmm. not yeah. our families, not yeah. our, our values, yeah. Yeah. not our communities. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I remember I lived in this one subdivision up in Wisconsin and it was really a cool place and I loved living there. But in the wintertime, you would not see anyone from Thanksgiving until like the first of May because mm-hmm. it was cold. Yeah. And, and you would see the garage doors open up and people would go in and it and it would yeah. snow be, you were li- literally living in a tube for like half the year. <laughs> right. You know? And we've and, and you've got all the internet yeah. stuff and all yeah. of this and it's very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Got it. But but that's kind of what we've identified as progress. Mm, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and so there's some arrival here and we've kind of created this and now we've got to like you said, we can't go back and go, uh oh, we fucked up. Yeah. We gotta celebrate the progress we've created. And we've got this this need mm-hmm. for progress, really? Yeah. Do, do, do you know what? Do you know what something that is really progressive is? Cancer. That's yeah. progress. Yeah. You know yeah. that's uncontrolled growth. Yeah. And so that's kind of what what's been going on. And and we haven't mm-hmm. we haven't done the critical thinking. We haven't done the inquiry. We haven't did, we haven't created a relationship with ourselves to really ask what's important. What's yeah. important to us? Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I think that's that's the journey we need to go on. If if we want to end the nonsense that's going on right now, yeah. But we're being told what's important to us by someone other than us mm-hmm. because we're supposed to. And the truth is always discovered; it's never told. So that's why I'm. That's why it's so much about inquiry and asking and mm-hmm. looking and diving in. Yeah. And getting it on you. Yeah. What, what's what do you think the the biggest misunderstanding is about the word masculinity? What's the biggest distortion, the modern definition of that? What is being what is being misunderstood about the concept of masculinity? You know, I, I think it's the, the the perception that if someone's masculine, they're gonna be brutal. Mm-hmm. Right? They're gonna be physically <clears throat> abusive, emotionally abusive, um socially abusive mm-hmm. right it, that they're just going to conquer you know I, I think that's mm-hmm. the especially the alpha males yeah you know I, I think that's the biggest concern you know mm-hmm. and it shows up in hyper comp, uh, competitiveness and things like that you know mm-hmm. and here's the thing we got to own those as dudes those fears are based in observed reality people's had those experiences Mm-hmm. So we've got to be cognizant of that. We've got to manage our own wake. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to notice what because dude, this dude's pretty competitive. I can hang in the yeah. competitive nature, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, especially when we get so focused on we're going to do this, you know, come hell or high water. Uh, there was a time I had no problem taking somebody out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I destroyed a guy's business one time because he got in my way. Destroyed it. Destroyed it, and I made it my mission. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't know if I'd do that today. What I would do, I would still make my mission to acquire that business and go after the business and serve the customer the way I did. But I wouldn't have had the ancillary thing where I had to make this guy die. I did, he didn't mm-hmm. die physically, but mm-hmm. his bus- he had to close the business. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that was all ego driven. 
And I think that's the thing. We got to we got to go from being ego driven to being more purpose driven yeah, or commitment exactly driven, right? right? And we've got to get we got to get aligned with what is that purpose? What is that real reason we're here? Because otherwise, default it's going to be ego. And that that's where I think the big misconception is. I, th- I think the misconception is masculinity is driven by ego. Yeah, mm. no. And I, I don't think it is. I think I think truly true true masculinity. When you understand yourself as a man, it's driven by your purpose, and it has to be. But but it's hard. People don't want to do the work to figure out that purpose, right? And like yeah. we were having the discussion last night. I was with my buddy Ed, and, and he was talking about how I, I don't believe family or kids is the purpose, right? Right. That's part of who you are that's part of, like my my kids and my wife and my family is not the purpose of why i do the things i do it's not my purpose in life they are what i protect they are part of that legacy and but that's not my purpose and too many people too many men i think put that as their purpose and just think they check the box okay. well my family's my purpose okay you know, my kids are my purpose okay. no that's that's just part of that's you now. That's part of that's part of the makeup of you as a man, your yeah. family and your kids. That's not your purpose. Purpose is something deeper. Mm-hmm. It's something more spiritual. It's something that drives you to get you out of bed. Not that my kids don't get me out of bed every day, but there's something bigger. But too many men have just checked that box and think they found it. And, and the the piece of to match your question, like people think masculinity is that ego driven because when you don't know the purpose and you and you have that like alpha male mentality you are driven by ego and you are an asshole mm-hmm. but when you when you understand the the alpha male that has figured out the perfect purpose like the ethical alpha male which we've talked about at manifest it's it's a different way of operating and they're kinder but like I, like I look at myself as like I, I tend to think I'm a masculine male, but I'm also kind. I'm mm-hmm. sensitive. I will take care. I will I will be the first one to step in front of a bus for anybody I love or care about. Mm-hmm. My family, my kids, my employees, my close friends, the two of you in this room. I'll get in front of that bus, but I'm also gonna be that kind-hearted person that will help somebody that I don't. I have that humility that I don't know everything. I don't have to be, mm-hmm. you know, the one busting through the door if I don't need to be. And I think as a man, we have to start understanding that because I know my purpose. I know my way of operating in the world. And that took a, it's a long journey to go through. And I think more men need to do that. Yeah, the funny part is, it's just an e- once you get, once you work on or you maneuver your life based on principle, mm-hmm. your life is easier. So much it's easier. So, so much difficult easier. to be non-principled. Yeah. And and, and and again, don't confuse principle or my principles mm-hmm. of being right or wrong. There isn't that. That's not the judgment. It's just right. be, it's just believing in something yes. and maneuvering your life based upon a, a principle or a set of principles, yes. a personal philosophy. Yes. Yeah. You can argue the right and wrong because my personal philosophy is different than both of yours. Yeah, there's no right. question. If, yeah. we are, if we were to sit here for an hour and articulate the tenets of our yeah, personal of philosophy, there's going to be differences. There's no right mm-hmm. or wrong. But when you are unprincipled or have none, mm-hmm. I think everybody has it, but do you recognize it? Do you take the time yeah. to bring it out? That's another question. Eric, too. what you're talking about is a real simple distinction that guys fuck up all the time. Mm-hmm. It's the different what what Rocco's talking about. You know, when you identify your purpose, what that allows you to do is to be in alignment with that. Mm-hmm. So the being of man versus the doing of man, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I've gotten to know this guy pretty well. Mm-hmm. And he is deadly consistent with who he's being every single day. What that does, that allows him the dexterity to choose what action to take given the, 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 the terrain he's on in that moment. 
Right. He's not he's not tied up to some doctrine. He's going to go this way for this time and this way for this time because that's what situation and the terrain requires. Mm-hmm. But who he's being all the time is he's being this guy who's committed to making the world better for everyone. Got it. Mm-hmm. And in that, the 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 palette he gets to paint on every day is his being of a father and a mm-hmm. husband, right? Mm-hmm. And who he gets to be for his kids. Mm-hmm. That, that's where we screw up. Mm-hmm. All too often we get so caught up in doing things because we're going to get paid or we're going to get credit mm-hmm. or we're going to look good or we're going to get a like or we're going to do this or all this. And we lose sight of who we're being. And by this commitment to, to being, we violate the principles you're talking about of who, who we, we, by just doing stuff, we violate who we're really committed to being. Because mm-hmm. we got to do this and we got to mm-hmm. do this. We witnessed that last night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that one guy is so struggling. Yeah. Because he's so caught up in doing mm-hmm. and hasn't inquired as to what it does mean to be to be yeah, a man. That's exactly right. To be a partner. Yep. To be a business owner. Yep. To be any of this. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was so fascinating to see. It was such a clear depiction. Mm-hmm. It and was. Rocky and I, Rocco and I saw it. Yeah. And the poor guy didn't. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's he's still asking these questions. Yeah, and, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and we like, it's right here, it's man. right here, dude. Just do it. This is what you got to do. That's, that's, oh, yeah. I, know, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. it's your choice. Yeah. It's your choice. I can't make you do it, dude. Yeah, but you're all right, I, man. All I can do is offer you the pathway. Yeah. Do you think that there's a a thought mentality out in society today that you must judge every experience and everything? as either being good or bad. I don't know, man. As as opposed to just looking at the differences between things and not making a moral right or wrong uh, opinion of it, understanding for things what they are, and knowing that that there's there's no consequence or no benefit to look at everything as being either right or wrong, right. making that hard decision. Because yeah. it doesn't leave us as a society for any any middle ground. It doesn't leave right. us Rules the opportunity relative. to you know, breathe, reflect on if we could be indifferent on this matter. <laughs> yeah. Would it work better for our lives if we would be? See, that kind yeah. of thought, it, it's so, like, that, that entrepreneur's, at the end said, well, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Well, mm-hmm. I just thought for a second, well, somebody would view that as being a bad thing. That's negative. Yeah. No. Yeah. That could have been the most positive statement that man has ever made. Yeah, right, exactly. No, yeah, no, true. It, it, yeah, it, right. It's yes. actually where he's at. Yeah. It's, but, yeah, no, yeah, it's... But it's, it takes a little bit more thinking mm-hmm. to understand that's more of an assessment, not a guttural right or wrong thing. Everything's and that, relative. But we're working at a guttural level in society yeah. in a big way, yeah. and we're not just taking the next step. You know, I don't think the the concept of critical thinking is a big chasm, right? No. But the the gist of it are things we learned in grade school and how you <laughs> learn to think and ra- logical deduction mm-hmm. and things. Mm-hmm. Simple stuff. We got when you go in the playground, you had to realize, well, I don't want to go punch Jimmy in the face because he's probably going to hit me back. Right. That's not a good thing to do. Right. He made me mad, but I'm going to go on with my day. Right. You learned how to make those decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You didn't go up to Jimmy and go, "You, I have the right not to be made fun of." And da-da. I don't yeah. start. Yeah, I don't worry about my rights yeah. and somehow how they need to be validated or <laughs> yeah. or or yeah. I need to have some kind of yep. emotional currency there to make me even with you. Yeah, we're teaching kids this nonsense Mm -hmm. and i just feel that the mechanics of life is so complex now because we know how to critical think even the kids born in in the internet age i believe 
that they they learn good solid yeah. stuff from these these elementary teachers 100%. they do i believe in teaching but we somehow get into the machine of social media when we learn how to get our mm-hmm. first phone at eight <laughs> and then we just somehow give in and is it because everything's being spoon-fed to us the, Every answer in the world is there through Google, so we don't have to really take the initiative to seek out information. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but we're so lazy as we maneuver our process. I think it's it's what you're pointing to is what we've identified as progress. Is actually, you know, you're starting to win me over on this laziness thing. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I don't know. You know, but but some of the structures we've created has kind of created laziness. Like, a research project in school, you know. Don't get me started. Yeah. They, they just go and eat Google stuff. Right. How many kids act, actually don't cheat their way through college or high school? Be honest with me. <laughs> you parents out there. You parents out there. Yeah. How many of those term papers did your kids really write the past eight years in high school or college? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Or did you just close your eyes and pretend that they did when you knew they were Googling? or hiring yeah. someone in a different country and paying them $5 to write the paper for them. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not making a moral judgment. I'm just saying this is the life we... Yeah, yes. The ease of maneuverability right. in and society. And we label it as progress. It's progress. Yeah. And that's what, progress. Yeah. But it gives opportunity. It, it gives opportunity to the people that are willing to do the fucking work. Yeah. And I always come back to that. Like, And what... Okay. In the world in general... Like, oh, no. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, I thought you were saying creating that ease. No, that, that no. ease that's created in society... The use of the ease. Has, ...has given other people that are willing to push past. Well, it's flattened. The, it, it, it's suppressed the level of competition because mm-hmm. there's so many people are okay being lazy or yeah. not lazy, just apathetic yeah. or whatever the term, or comfortable, yeah. or you seek predictability, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. You're not rising above to be excellent. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I, I love what you're pointing to, Rocco. Like, yeah, we've got to be very comfortable and very taking shortcuts and cheating and mm-hmm. all this other stuff is out there, right? And the fact of the matter is we still live in a free culture and we still can be exceptional and we can still go after it. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the in, in the ballpark last night, you know, and I'm just looking at the skyline. I'm, I'm like just being with how beautiful Pittsburgh is and how beautiful the ballpark is. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at these buildings. They all got names on them, right? And I was I was sitting with yeah. uh, Ed, right? And I'm going, Ed, what's that bill? That's a law firm. What's that? That's a law firm. That's a law firm. And I had this I had this moment yeah. like there's these behemoth law firms here. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, no wonder Rocco's killing it. Yeah. They got these guys that are just like these monuments. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then there's all this need out there. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just had this thought, like someone could call you up, mm-hmm. actually get their thing handled yeah. before they'll even get the phone call answered. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Oh, he found his he found yeah. his differentiation. Yeah, yeah. But he created that differentiation. No, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's exa- and that, that's, that's the reason I wanted to point to yeah, it. Yeah, that's where the skill came. It's exactly creating it and and the vision, right? Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and and so there's these monuments out there that many people would be afraid to engage in that terrain because it's dominated by these big things, mm-hmm. right? And Rocco's like, hell no, man, done. Yeah. Like there is there are these clear pathways for me, and mm-hmm. I'm going to kill it and screw those guys. Yeah. You know. And, and I just saw because yeah, you've yeah. said this to me before, yeah. but I, I witnessed it like yeah. it became in technicolor. But you know? it's when you understand your purpose, and, yeah. and that's really what it boils down to. You know, when yeah. you understand your purpose, things become really fucking clear, yeah. like very clear. And I think you, we've had this discussion in the mm-hmm. past. We've talked about it, and, and that's what that's what we need more of in this country when people really get what they're about and what that 
life, like you said 10 minutes ago, life becomes really easy. And for me, when I did that journey and, and went through all the shit and, and looked at it, then the, the fog clears. Yeah. And it's like, I know exactly the path I'm on. I know exactly where I'm going. I know the work I'm going to have to do. And it's going to be fucking hard. And I get that. And that kind of comes to that point. Like, I'm, I'm willing to push past it because I don't like laziness. I don't right. like comfort. Like, I like being uncomfortable as fuck every day. Right. And that creates the opportunity. And, and I think more people in this world, if they saw that as the opportunity, we'd have a lot less problems in this fucking country. We'd have a lot more successful, happy people in this country. No question. That's what we need to get. That's what people need to get into their head is be excellent strive for excellence you have so many opportunities in this country i mean really you do and if you just take a little bit of effort and strive for being a little bit better every day this world can fundamentally change in the next five to ten years for the better what about people that just don't know what turns them on man it's like because money i'm i'm a weird guy i'm not Mm -hmm. wired like I thought I would be at 55. I thought I'd be wired differently. And now I've come into this metamorphosis where I'm not wired and motivated by the same things even five or seven years ago Mm -hmm. where I was. So, but I'm fascinated by life. But I know I'm a rare bird because everything, we're sitting here, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. where a lot of my my friends my age think I'm out of my fucking mind (laughs) because... They're headed in a, into more relaxed yeah. part of their life. They've earned it. I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll hand it to them. But they're not interested in doing this. Yeah. I'm kind of like fascinated by getting in people's brains. Yeah. But my point is, that's what gives me my juice. That's what makes, yeah. what makes me go. Mm-hmm. What about people that just can't figure that out or they can't find that thing that drives them? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not money for those. Yeah. I mean, some of the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life are those people in healthcare. Yeah. That, that goes kind like, yeah. and, and usually you find them in nursing because yeah. they because money didn't drive them mm-hmm. yep. they didn't want to go further mm-hmm. in medicine they loved what they did mm-hmm. yeah they got an emotional and a spiritual um gift by doing it every day mm-hmm. i believe that yeah, yeah absolutely that you know i wish i was more wired but but what about people that don't have that like that they, they, they've never been able to find what resonates with them how do they find that like especially if they're in their 50s mm-hmm. and they they just they're unhappy with their lot in life or they're just blase that they've done the same old same old for so long how do you ignite somebody even in their 20s how do you Mm -hmm. ignite somebody to find that passion especially those unique people who are really not motivated by money money should be the easy one but if they're not really motivated by money it's like, how do you encourage somebody? Because you can't do it for them. Right. right. But how do you encourage somebody to find that spark? Because mm-hmm. I feel bad when I meet people, people that tell me they have nothing. They're not enthused by anything. They're not morbid or suicidal, I don't think. But they just don't. They're not driven by anything. They can't articulate. Yeah. Outside of the standard, oh, I work. You know, I go to work for my family. And well, of course mm-hmm. you do. You love your family. I get it. But they're. But you ask them what really drives you. What is your passion lie? They mm-hmm. can't articulate it. That puzzles me. Mm-hmm. It's always puzzled me. I, I think ultimately we've got to come to the realization that our happiness, our fulfillment, is our personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I to think ourselves. That, yeah, like it's like I'm responsible for my happiness. It's not your job to make me happy, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think first of all we've got to diffuse or or, or debunk the mythology that someone need someone deserves to be happy. 
or deserves to be fulfilled or deserves to be passionate. Listen, you deserve to what you whatever you create for yourself. So yeah. if so, if they want to, if they want that, you know, if, if they just want to be bored and and you know check out and waste this beautiful gift that we have mm-hmm. as life, that's actually their prerogative. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, I, I get it. Yeah, no, I respect that. I right? respect that. But if you know, but I don't think that's the way most people are. I think what happens is people try things out. They get a couple bumps on them, and they get afraid, and they that's get stuck, it. and they that's get it. up. They get defeated. They get defeated. That's it. And so, what you need to do—that's a bigger conversation. You got to understand what are they afraid of, you know, and you got to understand what are they willing to do. Yeah. You know what? What are they? What are you willing to to do? Like, what do you want, and what are you willing to put at stake for it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the first question. Mm-hmm. And if you just want to sit and bitch, well, that's simple. Continue to bitch. Carry on. But mm-hmm. if you really want to. You know, get going. What are you willing to put at stake for it? What's it? What's it worth for you? Yeah. Right. What are you willing to put at risk? Yeah. Because yeah. most people aren't. I think no. the, the people that can't find their passion, the first question I was ask, I always ask them is, "What have you done that's made you completely fucking uncomfortable?" <laughs> and most people say nothing. I mean, that's your problem. Like that is so profound. But but that yeah. but that's the truth. When you when you really think about it, you haven't found your passion because you've been sitting in your box. You've been sitting in your comfort zone. Because people the passionate people out there are the ones willing to put shit on the line, yeah. willing to take the risks. Like I walked away from corporate America to build my firm. It was the scariest fucking decision right. in my life, but it's right. I found my passion. Well, you know what's amazing too, dude? Anybody who's really financially driven would have yeah. thought you were nuts. Of course. Of course, 100%. Most people did think I was fucking crazy when I did it. But I knew I that... I got a similar story exactly I had, like that. But, it's, but that's the thing. Like The people that can't find their passion, yeah. if you really ask them, what have they done that made them really gut-wrenchingly uncomfortable? And 99.99% of them will say nothing. Yeah. And that's the fucking problem. See, what you're pointing to do is, is your relationship to fear and uncomfort is different than a lot of people. Of and that, course, that's yeah. what we got. So, again, the alpha males, right? The, the mm-hmm. like, that uncomfort, that fear, that, that discomfort, that's like, all right, man, game yeah. on. You well, know? that's when, I think that's when there's a risk involved, that's yeah. when you will always feel alive. Yeah. I mean, I'm, not yes. saying, I'm not saying it's it's a wise thing to do stupid <laughs> no. shit. Right, yes, exactly. Don't yeah. take your life savings and, and bet on the pirates tomorrow. I'm not saying that. <laughs> you could have bet on them last night, you would have made a ton of money. But I'm, especially, I'm, especially when they're down 7 yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But the yeah. risk the risk thing, when yeah. there's something at play, when you yeah. have something exactly. on the line, yeah. when you... When something tangible is there, mm-hmm. it doesn't always have to be a physical or monetary thing. But when something is is in play that's meaningful to you, yeah. that you could lose, yeah, that's when you find out who you are, hundred percent. And that's also when you where you basically find the, the electricity of life. I, I believe. Yeah. I mean, dude, consider every day what we have at risk is our life. Yeah, because we don't know when this thing's over. Mm-hmm. Right, and so. Do you wanna do you wanna sit in your basement wrapped up in bubble wrap? That's yeah. my argument for everything I, I mean, do. Two, two, this past week, <laughs> yeah. two people I went to high school with that were two years younger than me both passed away. No kidding. This week. Wow. Two people. Well, brother, that you're getting I grew to the age with. now. You're mid forties, you're getting but to it, the age where you start to see this. Yeah. Right, but like but think that puts Welcome things in to the perspective world, to me. Like yeah. life is fragile oh, and it really is, man. And it's a beautiful thing. And we need to stop being so fucking negative as people yeah. and so pissed off and just realize like you've said, like 
every day is a fucking gift. When you wake up in the morning, yeah. like we get to do things. Yeah. Well, it's a miracle that you ever were here, that right. you were born. Yes. You didn't have to be born. Right. You know? No, you're right. I and mean, that's a fun, that's, that's a profound a, fundamental thing. When you think about it, you're like, uh, kind of fucks with your head, but it's like, I'm here. Like I'm here. Yeah. yeah there's, there's it's a blessing. Absolutely. No, no question about that. What turning the table a little bit here, what can we do, Mike, in regards to kids, um, mm. Males, obviously, probably. Well, no, males and females. When you're speaking to the group, mm-hmm. to understand that um, getting male children to understand what masculinity really is um, as they move through their life, and also to the females to understand that masculinity doesn't have to be a th- the concept of masculinity right. doesn't have to be a threat. What do we, what do we need to do at the elementary educational level? You know, I mean, because I know you're, you know, obviously there's, yeah. I'm guessing, I, I would hope anyone 18 years old or, or even 16 would read this, but I'm th- I'm guessing you're going to, we're going to reach an audience that's going to be in their 20s up for this, right? Uh, yeah, I'm I don't guessing, know. What yeah. But yeah. my point is, what, do, what can we do as parents, as educators, as members of the church, as members of the community, what can we do to somehow demystify the concept of masculinity for youth? Lead by example. Right? Be a yeah. good man. Lead by example. Show up on time. Do what you say you're going to do. Take your kid fishing. Play catch. Be home at night for dinner. Mm-hmm. Right? Ask questions. Inquire how their day went. Listen. Hug them. Mm-hmm. This shit is not heavy. You know? It doesn't sound too hard to me. You know? But, but be a man. Right? Get clear on what your purpose is. Create the structure to fulfill on that. Live in accordance with that. Mm-hmm. And then when shit gets in your way, like one of the things I love about this guy over here, whenever you fuck up, he spends about three seconds mourning it. And it's, yeah. it's back on the bike. Yeah. I mean, that's right. Oh, oh yeah. well, never mind. Yeah. That's you exactly know? right. I mean, it's, it's incredible. His relationship to failure is so profound. So when, it, like, don't get stopped. Yeah. When you're committed to something, get her done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like. If, if if you make a promise to your kid that you're going to take him to the ball game and your boss calls you up at 445, says, I got a special project for you. Sorry, not today because I'm taking my kid. Yeah. Got it. You know? Got most it. guys wouldn't even, oh, fuck, they'd call their kid up and go, I'm sorry, we can't go tonight. Well, I'll make it up to you. Yeah. And, and, it, it, and we don't even think about it. And so what ends up happening is that becomes the experience of what masculinity is, is a series of disappointments, a series of failed endeavors, a series of half promises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's what that's what happens. And then we go home and we're frustrated and someone asks us something, we snap at them. So that's what toxic masculinity looks like, anger, disappointment, that. Got it. You know? It, it's a downward spiral and it just comes from not being present. Listen, I know this because I was that, just to be honest. Let's mm-hmm. be fully transparent. I, I, was, I was that guy. You know, and then I just I couldn't be that guy anymore. I couldn't be with myself anymore. Got it, right? So yeah, and it takes it t- it takes a long time. This yeah. guy's so ahead of schedule at forty four years old. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was I wasn't until I was fifty three before I really started asking those questions. You know, hmm. I, I was in denial the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know? it's aging is a bitch. <laughs> 
You know what, dude? <laughs> I love it, man. Every decade has been better than the one before. Do you want some more of it? <laughs> I'm glad you gave me, gave me some of mine. If I can go in reverse. It's only a number, man. It's only a number. Well, oh, yeah, consider the alternative is not what of you course. want. Well, uh, you know? yeah, that's that always that's what keeps me sane, yeah. is knowing that it's definitely better yeah. than the alternative. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the, um, the whole concept of authenticity, Rocco and I have bantered around forever, yeah. but I think the premise of your book really speaks to authenticity yeah. for males mm-hmm. yeah and it's to not or to bastardize the concept is doing males a huge disservice a yeah. huge a huge for lack of a better phrase a huge injustice yeah because to me it, it sets a, a tone for conflict yeah when masculinity is attacked yeah yeah absolutely right i, I think yep. that's why you know i th- this book is not a lot of bashing there's attempted humor some places yeah, but it's really it's really about moving forward and about what we create but there is a part in there where th- there's one group of humans i'm pretty uh pretty tough on mm-hmm. okay and that group of unions humans that i'm tough on are the male feminists mm-hmm. you know because what they're actually doing is they're they're denying their own masculinity and they're denying the masculinity of other people. And what they've done is they've aligned with, you know, all things gynocentric. And it's, it, the problem is it's completely inauthentic. It's mm-hmm. a survival tactic. Right. And there's no authenticity in survival because you will do anything to get out of the grease. You do not give a shit. Mm-hmm. As long as you come out alive, success. And that's the problem. That's the problem when we're in overwhelm and we're, you know, we're operating from fear. There's no access mm-hmm. to, to authenticity. Authenticity can only occur in a state of courage and above. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's courageous to be authentic. It's courageous to stand in the face of no agreement. Yep. It's courageous to start to start a business when you are comfortable yeah. inside a law firm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's courageous to challenge. The status quo or challenge the narrative or challenge what's ever coming at you that takes courage mm-hmm. and then what that courage leads to is engagement and what that engagement leads to is you don't know now because now the the now you're in the game and the beautiful thing about games the reason we play games is we don't know what the outcomes are till the end right mm-hmm. That's, unless you're pirates you know the <laughs> even last <laughs> night last night so yeah. I, I will challenge you see yeah. they show I never the, know. I'm in the ballpark the Pirates win. How about yeah, that? You right? There we go. You never back, know. Yeah, you absolutely. Never know. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally understand the concept. As you were saying that, I was saying that it just, there's so many sides to this. Oh, yeah, man. Just nut, it's just nuts because I have a, a gay friend, um, a female, and we've been friends for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she officially came out um, when she left her home mm-hmm. she says that we've just really got along we're different as night and day but mm-hmm. i had a conversation with her i said it's really interesting um you know like i'm a big like unique person a uniqueness i love the th- authenticity yeah. so you always being who you are is so admirable to me yeah but you know when i I see things on the news or I read things about the, about the, the gay and lesbian community. 
And she stopped me. She goes, well, that's the problem. She goes, who defines who belongs to what community yeah, and right. why, why does there right. need to be a community? That was the yeah, answer. Right. And I was like, before I could even say anything, I stepped back and I said, wait a second. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is that we were defining her based upon her being based upon her sexuality and she doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. Right. Not that there's anything right or wrong with wanting that. Yeah. I can't speak to that. I'm talking about this person, this conversation. Mm-hmm. She didn't want that. She didn't define her being yep. based upon her sexuality. Yeah. So what kind of asshole am I to just make the assumption yeah. that that's the case? Well, yep. I get that because that's how news is ingested to me. Mm-hmm. She must be in a box. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a white male. I'm an oppressive white male, I guess. Right. I'm in a box. Well, yep. think think about from a marketing standpoint. It's insane. Well, yeah. from from a marketing standpoint, though, it's way easier to manage shit if you're putting everyone in boxes. There's no doubt. Yeah. Right. But yep. that's these are human beings you're talking about. This isn't products. You're not making yeah. a product to go send to Walmart for right. inventory. These are human beings. Well, right there is what you're. Right there, I think, is one of the things that is one of the biggest challenges right now. We have gotten into a profound practice of being inhumane to one another. And the mm-hmm. first way we, we become inhumane is we label people. Well, there's, you know, yeah, Dr. Brock was on, yeah. Ruben Brock is an African-American uh, guest and good friend of mine who comes yeah. on. He's a psychology professor. Um, he's just an awesome human being, man. Yeah. We just get the most amazing conversations. I often say to him, do we... From my viewpoint, sometimes I think we create these inner communities within mm-hmm. society, and I'm not always sure that making reference to them all the time helps. And yes, we hear we hear the black community all the time. Mm-hmm. And he turned me on my heels, and he said he said something so profound to me. He goes, "Look, he goes, I understand that." He says, the "Community, you know, in certain circumstances, labeling and putting in boxes isn't good." He says, "But conversely, there's comfort in numbers, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. comfort. There's also comfort in." like circumstances like-minded people Mm -hmm. like people with same experiences and he goes until you have uh until you live your way your life in a way where you have certain kinds of experiences that you can associate with you won't understand that and as a white person i couldn't yeah it was a growth moment for me my point is i understand why we have groups clubs communities Mm -hmm. i get that some labels make sense to me yeah but to label and group out of convenience and then mainstream it for a political agenda yeah, right. it just doesn't make any sense to me like the NR like you know if you're if you're like a how does the how does the transgender woman who also is a gun enthusiast who happened to <laughs> vote Republican yeah. but also is uh, you know pro-choice mm-hmm. where does where do they fit in what box what box do they fit yeah. in? Especially if they like burgers, right? Well, yeah. well anything. <laughs> I, yeah, like if, uh, to no, my, my point is, I know you. You know that, and that's the beauty of life is you can't define people so no. specifically. And shame on us for some folks where their beliefs on a badge they get behind. There's a litmus test yeah. for some people. They want yeah, right. one thing. Yeah. I am, I am pro-choice, and that dominates my entire life. Okay, you have a right to be that sure. way. Okay, but most people don't live that way. Yeah. Most people. But it makes our, it, it. Our viewpoints are all over the board. Yeah, Rocco. right. We, Absolutely. We don't follow the Democrat or the Republican no, all over platform. The board. All I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's insanity. Yeah. But they live their lives that way. So they yeah. want to, or they that bat at that identity. Where, yeah. And they're they willing. They run to the group. 
They run yeah. to the be labeled. Some folks they run to it. There's comfort in it. Yeah. I guess I, yeah. I guess I'm so confused on how it's necessary Cause all it may, the time. Here, here's why. I don't get it. It, it. it makes so take two pieces of it. Take three: politicians, media companies, corporations. Okay, they all have to market to people, right? They all have to get people to support their political agenda, their um, products, right? So you have now, or or the news that you know the advertising. So now, if you put people in boxes and people want to belong and people want to feel comfortable, they want to belong in a box. It makes it easier to market. Now you don't have to market to twenty six opinions. You market to one group of people that we believe has a common opinion, and then you box these people in, and then you create this narrative that makes people feel like, well, if I don't belong in that box, what's wrong with me? Mm. So like now you have this community. Okay, where where the transgender community or where you know the white community, they're black, whatever the case may be, and you and you tell the these people that this community means this and so then you start getting support around that then you get these people that have all different viewpoints but they feel as an outsider if they don't belong and it makes it easier for these companies and these media companies and these politicians to market to these people that's what I, that's I, mean, I could be completely full of shit but that's how that's the only logical explanation that makes sense to me I think I have premise it makes sense. I just don't know like that it makes it it makes the again back to the mechanics of life for the individual it makes mm -hmm. it so much more difficult when you have to then weigh is do so is my NRA affiliation way more than my <laughs> right. like my right to eat my, my my like of beef right or you know the fact that I um, I don't believe in drinking alcohol does that weigh more than yeah. what kind of like but why? See, in the world, why is that any of that shit important? Yeah, right. Well, in exactly. the world of equity, they're all going to be equally important. No, they're not. And, and so, what that's going to do <laughs> is create fucked. confusion mm -hmm. and and more of the overwhelm. It's just it's a circular thing. And, that, and to that point, when people are confused and overwhelmed, now the government makes you feel safe. Yeah. Like think about it. it comes back to yeah. if we make people overwhelmed and afraid, they look to the government the to make thing, them feel yeah. safe. Yeah. That's the majority of people that like comfort, right? And when yeah. they're overwhelmed and fearful, they're seeking comfort in the government, in the media companies, yeah. and they say, this is how you're safe. Believe us. Buy this. Follow us. That's it. They they, they get them seeking safety. Hmm. We're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the job of this show is to solve the world's problems, right? Yeah, I know. You know? We eventually uh -huh. solve them. You know, Einstein eventually. says if uh, if there's a problem and you got 60 minutes to do it, and I'm going to spend 55 minutes defining a problem. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. We right. find it, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> the Manhood Manifesto. Yeah. How men must lead at home, at work, and in the public sphere. It's a good read, pal. Thanks, man. It's a great book. I'm always fascinated by authors when I get a chance to sit down with them. Just how the the whole, lack of a better phrase, mm -hmm. mechanics of that spills out. Yeah. Did you like it? Did you like the writing process? I love it, man. I, I really do. It's something, uh, yeah, and, and it, it's weird. It's like all this, um, you spend a lot of time getting ready. Right. And then you pump it out. Like, at least mm -hmm. I do. That's what I do. I write every day for two hours, and then it's done. You know, it takes about two and a half two and a half months. What was more difficult, getting it all out, or then trying to 
formulated in because I'm guessing most writers write in spurts and then you have to reconfigure where it goes where. No, I do it. I do it conscious. I I do it absolutely the opposite way. Okay, I create an outline. Okay, and then it's a stream of conscious, and I almost go. And this one, I went like almost chapter by chapter. Wow, yeah. That's pretty organized. Yeah. I don't know if I could do that. Uh, no, no. Most, <laughs> most, most people don't. Most people don't. That's not how most people. I found out because I, I, again, talk first, research later, right? Yeah, right. Um, We're men, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So after after I've written a couple books now, I've gone and I've like gone and met with some authors and how they do it and what their process is. Right. Mine's really weird. Interesting. You know? Yeah. but It's a good book, though. Yeah, I mean, if, if, yeah, just... Please, if people would buy it, because here, here's the thing about authorship: is uh, to to get other deals, you got to sell books. So yeah. and it's available everywhere, right? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Buy or, books. Yeah. yeah, Barnes and yeah. Noble. Yeah, everywhere. So everywhere. yeah. So I'm. I'm this is the, this is congratulations. The, yeah, it's called you're now a published author. You join Rocco. Yeah, yeah. I'm like yeah. the last one at the table. It's not done yet. That yet, but it's going to happen. It'll be Dude, that, it'll be. Be- it'll be I got way too much shit out. rolling around in my head. I'm just waiting for it. You know, that's a gift of it. That it, like after you the, the, so this is my second book my first book was just a download I mean it was a download and it and I missed the mark on what I wanted to say and the whole thing but there's right. a lot of good shit in it but it's pretty disorganized and I missed the mark but what happened was when you after you do the final edit and you sit send it's like you're going to walk outside without pants on now you know because <laughs> you, you, you put your shit out there right so I hit send and it just was like I had this this moment of complete and utter clarity. That's cool. You know, that's very cool. I'm and glad I, and, to hear that. And I had it with this one too. And and um, and then I I did you know after I wrote it, I didn't touch it for like four months. And then I read it and it was like wow, you know. I did that. <laughs> no, it, no, it wasn't that at all. It was like wow, this is this is interesting. You know, yeah. and it brought back that clarity too. Right. So it, it's a great way. At least for me, it's a great way to clear the mind okay and, yeah and, and no doubt you know yeah I, so. Rocco will tell you I, I journal I'm a journaling not I've been writing forever yeah. and um, so I know the process and how I do it yeah but it still seems like a big undertaking it's I think organizationally think. I think for yeah. just write just start just start just start writing that's it man yeah do this it is fantastic. well you need a, you need a structure yeah, you know that's all. You're just you're writing because it's an expression, and so mm-hmm. once you get serious and you can mm-hmm. clear on what you want to write about, you'll create a structure and it'll just fall in place. Yes, sir. Yeah. Do, you, do you ever wonder when when you get into the process, like those folks that write fiction and then they they have a series? I've done a lot of uh, spy novel series. Mm-hmm. I've done mm-hmm. them. I enjoy them, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, I just fascinated by the stream of conscious, like what it takes to do something yeah. like that to continue the story. And you, you know what's really interesting? Out of this book, I never, th- I, I don't really like fiction that much. Mm-hmm. But I read a book called The Overton Window by Glenn Beck, oh, which yeah. was a great book. Yeah, yeah. And then I read all, of, I read all of um, uh, who's the who, Newt Gingrich's. Yeah, he, he writes these great Tom Clancy's yeah. spy yeah. novels, right? Yeah, 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 so I've read all of those, hmm. and and I really loved them. And I don't typically like novels, right? Anyway, um, a couple weeks after this, not, not a couple weeks, a couple days after this came out, I had this idea, and I actually have an idea for a novel. Okay. And, it, you know, I, I've been playing with it, and it's actually, I'm fascinated, but I don't know what it's going to turn into, but, and, and I'm not, I'm not a good writer. The truth is, I'm really not. I'm a good conversationalist. And the book kind of, I think when you read it, it occurs like I'm talking to you versus yeah, I'm writing, because mm-hmm. I'm not a good writer. And, uh. 
I'm just not. That's a good book, though. And, and, and so anyway, that's that's the thing. Yeah, but it's easy to read. You could read the whole thing in like yeah. three and a half, four hours. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, that, that's all. But yeah, the whole idea of like I'm just starting to get an idea, like writing a novel, what that would be like, and the the, the it's whole. It's gonna be a different animal. It's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, yeah, whole different ballgame. Different level of creativity. Yeah. Well, yeah. My sincere congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Come back and see me. Oh, love to, man. This is a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Always fun. You're right. You're right. I told you, You're man. always right. <laughs> Not always. I hate but... to admit that, but he's generally I, always I right. I appreciate that, No, man. dude, I really I love being here. I, I love yeah. this guy. I don't get to spend much time with him. Yeah, this is yeah. great. Buy it. Absolutely. Yeah, buy the damn book, Amazon. Please. Yeah, please. Manhood Manifesto. Buy yeah. the damn book. <laughs> and if you don't like it, if you- Lump you, it. You, no, no. <laughs> if you don't buy it, I'll buy it back from you, for heaven's sake. There you go. There Boom. you go. Guarantee. Yeah. All right, friends. All right. Thank you, man. All right, Thank man. Thank you, man. All right. Have Thank a you. safe trip back. I will. All right. Thank you. Friends, we're out. Yeah, bye. Hello. You're listening to the Eric McKenna Project. Project.